Welcome to That Hockey Show, part of the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. It's time to hit the ice for some puck talk, no matter how many teeth you have left, with some of the sharpest line mates covering the game. We're going coast to coast and through the neutral zone to light the lamp with all the latest hockey chirping you can handle. So, you better keep your head up, because the team at THS always finishes their checks. It's showtime. Let's drop the puck, and if we have to, drop the gloves on That Hockey Show, where the game is always on. Yes, the game is always on right here at THS. Welcome to That Hockey Show, everybody. Week 12 recap of the National Hockey League, the coolest game on ice. It is Thursday, April 8th. Welcome aboard. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert. Holding down. The THS headquarters here on Long Island, New York. As always, I will be joined by my line mates, Mr. Joe Yurden from the great city of Buffalo. We'll talk some Sabres and the Eastern Division. We'll go up north to Montreal and we'll hang out with Costa Populius and we'll talk Habs and that great North Division going on up there north of the border. We'll head out to Chicago and hang out with Tab Bamford and we'll talk some Hawks and the Central Division. And as always, we wrap up things with... Steve Palumbo out on the left coast out in California and we'll talk the Western Division and obviously his New Jersey Devils which made some headlines yesterday ahead of the trade deadline but that's what we got going on here at that hockey show so it's time to keep your head up and let's get into what's going on as we get closer to number one the uh, trade deadline on Monday so we'll be going around with the guys today get some thoughts obviously already some moves made and we'll get into that later as far as the Islanders and the Devils pretty big one there yesterday last night as it came across the board um, so we will um, I'll mention it now obviously Palmieri and Zajac going to the Islanders for some picks and a bag and a some sticks and some, you know, hair gel from Lou, um, whatever it took to uh, get those guys to cross the bridge. And uh, uh, that's no doubt going to help the New York Islanders. They definitely are going for it this year. Uh, two great pickups. And, again, we'll get into that in depth as we move along. Um, five games on the schedules last night. All right, and we got ten games going on tonight. All huge. Every game. Big stuff. No denying it. Captain Obvious. Win, 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 get your points, get into the playoffs. That's what's going on right now. Um, so as far as last night, Oilers beat the Sens 4-2. Habs lost to the Leafs 3-2. Uh, Jack Campbell and Gold getting his 10th straight win, which is a franchise record for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which to me is surprising in all these years. But congrats to him. Uh, Blues beat the Knights 3-1. Get back in the win column for those guys. And the Wild had a wild night against the Avalanche and put an eight spot up and beat them 8-3. And the Kings and the Yotes went back and forth last night, and the Kings end up on top, and they win 4-3 as they try and creep and crawl for that fourth spot. Yotes are in it right now. Kings trying to get back up into the uh, into the elite there uh, in that division as far as getting a playoff spot and maybe getting into the mix. So tonight, wild night is always usually on Thursdays. Big games. Uh, one game obviously postponed. The Canucks, COVID, man, um... Just uh, unfortunate what's going on uh, in there in Vancouver with that team, and I'll touch on that a little bit before we get Joe on here. Maybe Um, Devs at Sabres tonight, Flyers at Isles. The big, the top six here in the in the East Division all going out of here. Uh, Pens at Sabres, sorry, Devs at Sabres not in the top six there, but uh, then the Flyers and the Isles uh, with the two New Islanders will be playing tonight, as far as I know. Uh, The Pens at the Rangers tonight, Bruins at Caps, and then later on we got the Florida uh, Panthers at the Canes. 
Uh, big divisional game, obviously, for these guys. These are all big divisional games. Uh, the Bolts are playing the, the Blue Jackets. The Jackets are trying to hang around there, obviously, and, and, and make a play for that fourth playoff spot. Uh, the Jets will be playing the Habs tonight, and then the Oilers will be going out of the Sens. And then later on, the, um, the Preds will be playing the Wings, and then the Stars and the Hawks. And obviously, the huge two games there for the uh, the Preds and the Hawks, which are uh, Preds just recently leaped for all the Hawks, and now the Hawks have to climb back up. And we'll get into that with Tab. And as mentioned, like I said, the Canucks and the Flames postponed. Don't know what's going to go on there. Twenty one players now on that COVID list for the Canucks, and you know, there's talk about maybe possibly canceling the rest of their season. How they're going to make this work, I don't know what they're going to do. It's a, just a crazy situation. Some of those guys I heard are pretty sick. Um, but we hope that uh, they can kind of turn things around and, and get back to playing here. Uh, another note before some of the other headlines around the league. Uh, this I just want to recognize. Uh, it was the uh, third anniversary of the uh, Humboldt Broncos. Humboldt Broncos uh, tragedy up in Canada there uh, back in uh, April 2018, April 6th to be uh, exact. Um, 16 teammates and coaches were killed in the bus accident. Uh, 29 people altogether were injured. Uh, lives changed forever. Uh, our thoughts and sympathies, obviously, as we remember uh, those young kids who were just on their way to play a hockey game and uh, their lives just taken uh, too soon. So with respect and remembrance, we remember remember uh, the humble Broncos uh, today on THS as well. Uh, a couple other notes are going around the league. Uh, you guys may have seen it. Uh, Hank Lonquist was recently on an interview with Steve Weeks on NHL Network, and if he gets cleared, this guy likes the idea of maybe possibly coming back and playing. So we wish Hank the best in his recovery. And, uh, you know, I would love to see him back. And I guess, uh, you know, I'm a Rangers fan, but if he gets to play again with the Caps, whatever. I'd uh, love to see Hank back on the ice and give it one more go. Um, the trade deadline obviously coming up here. Big news. Um, Taylor Hall and Buffalo has been uh, scratched here. Uh, scratched Tuesday night. Probably scratched tonight. Uh, looks like he's going to get traded. We'll talk to Joe about that in a little bit. Um, and then uh, the other thing, too, is uh, fans getting back into the buildings out in California. We'll talk, talk to Steve about that in a little bit. Um, not going to happen in, uh, in, in Washington with the Capitals. Uh, too close to what's going on there, unfortunately, down in D.C. And still no fans up in Canada as they're still having their issues uh, with COVID. All right, real quick, I just want to run down the standings. 16 teams today, if they were, to make the playoffs. Leafs top of the league with 57 points. Abs with 56 in second. Florida in third with 56. The Canes in fourth with 55. Bolts with 54 points in fifth. Caps in sixth with 54. Isles in seventh with 54. Vegas in eighth with 52 points. The Wild in ninth with 50 points. The Pens are in tenth with 50. The Oilers are in eleventh with 50. The Jets are in 12th with 49. The Bruins in 13th with 46 points. The Habs with 43 points in 14th. The Yotes in 15th with 43. The Preds with 16 points. I'm uh, sorry, 43 points in 16. 16th place. There you go. And uh, the Rangers, the Flyers, and the Hawks are all calling around those last 15th and 16th spots and 14th spots with 41 points collectively as things are heating up now. Who's hot? In the league, McDavid, 68 points, still leading the league. Uh, Matthews has 28 goals, still the scoring machine, leading all year. Uh, McDavid with 45 assists, just insane. Uh, Pavelski still has the power play goal lead with uh, 10, 10 power play goals. Atkinson still has four shorthanded goals in Columbus. Grubauer, 24 wins in Colorado in the Nets. Vasilevsky in Tampa Bay right behind him with 23 wins. Grubauer also has the most shutouts with four. Uh, Mrazek there in uh, Carolina is leading the league in save percentage with 962. As far as special teams, the Canes have the best power play with 29.8 percentage success, and the Bruins are the best shorthanded team with 88.7. 
percentage. So there you go. A quick run around of what's going on. And um, again, just a quick thanks to everybody as always for uh, tuning in and listening and, uh, you know, just hanging out with us here. Hard to believe 12th week of the league, uh, only a month left in the season. Uh, and it's just great. Just sit back. If you're a fan of the league, you know, everybody tuning in here, which I'm sure you are, all of us here on THS, the team here, we just love it. Um, just going to be some great games coming up here, some shifting. And obviously we're waiting to see if there's going to be more moves here on Monday with the trade deadline. Islanders just shooting the first shot across the bow. I mean, I wouldn't make too much of a deal with Stahl going to, uh, you know, Montreal last week. Um, but that's, that's huge. And uh, we'll get into it today and, and the impact that's going to have. And, again, we'll just wait and see what happens. And, um, you know, some other, like I said, just huge games. Islanders and Rangers are going to be playing each other for the first time this weekend as well on Friday and then on Sunday. They haven't played each other since February. Um, they've got five games left. So it's going to be some fun stuff to see what happens. All right, that's enough of me. It's time to bring my line mates on. And as always, time to jump out in the face-off circle with the great Joe Yarden. Head on up to Buffalo. Talk some Sabres and some Eastern Division shenanigans. These New Jersey Devils, these New York Islanders, who do they think they are? And the Sabres. What's going on? They're winning. Joe, welcome back. What's happening, brother? Paulie, the Sabres are hot. No playoffs, but they're red hot. Timing. <laughs> Timing's a little late in the season, but as far as the weather's concerned, yeah, all right. Yeah. How you doing, pal? It's 70 degrees out. It's beautiful. It's, it, things are great. Things are great. Everybody in Buffalo's relaxed now. They're they're happy. The guys are playing well. They they know the season's lost. They're just waiting for the trades to go through. That's Trade deadline's coming up, what, Monday? Yes, sir coming up soon so they're waiting for waiting for the roster did you get tickets joe out. are you going to the trade deadline show <laughs> oh man it's, it's a fire sale it's, everything must go 75 percent off let's do it oh man that, that, that would way. be funny if they did that in buffalo right you know set the guys up like a car shop like a used car shop or something have a posto got, out there oh mark standing in the tailor, spots slapping taylor hall on the shoulder we got we got a taylor <laughs> hall right here. this guy is this guy here won an mvp let me tell you this guy's got some great miles on him just hey look at what we do with eric stall he went out and scored an overtime winner hey this guy will do, do that for you he'll win you a cup i swear to god please give us a first round pick i love it man oh man that's the way she's i gotta get it. my extra wide paisley tie to do this and you know my my ill-fitting polyester suit gotta go you gotta go all out have to go all out and maybe maybe even hire Stephen Wright to um to host it you know like from uh, Reservoir Dogs you know oh man yeah now now on the trade block Taylor Hall former MVP (laughs) could really help your team out (laughs) to the sounds of Steelers wheel (laughs) you do remember that scene in Reservoir Dogs right he's really good he just trust me He'll win you a cup. I know he will. And here I am stuck in the middle with you, Paulie. Stuck yeah. in the middle oh, with you, Paulie. Look at that. You are a smart <laughs> man. All right, brother. 38 games played, 9-23-6, 24 points, eighth in the division, 31st in the National Hockey League. The Kraken can't get in this league quick enough for the Sabres to get them up one spot. Since last week, like I said, points in fourth straight. Wins against Philly, my New York Rangers. The Devils and an overtime loss to New York Rangers. Undefeated in four points on the board. Devils tonight. And again, just waiting to see who gets traded. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a team with a new life. 
You know, we, we, we started talking about this a little bit last week about them, about how, how Don Granato was uh, just kind of letting them play, letting them loose, just saying, yes. all right, guys, just, just do your thing. And it's really showing through with, with Rasmus Dahlin right now. Um, he looks like uh, somebody who's been under shackles for for about two years, and he's just been set free. And he's just like, hey, be creative, do what you got to do. Play play the way you're supposed to play. Play normal. Just just be yourself, kid. And he's being himself, and he's setting up some insanely great passes. We saw one of them in the in the uh, in the game against the Rangers that they they beat the Rangers, where he sends like a no look pass to Taylor Hall and springs uh, him and Middlestat on a two on one, and Middlestat fires just a laser underneath Shesterkin's. Uh, I think it was a blocker side. Um, and it was just like, whoa, yeah. whoa, where, where'd that come from? Where, where's this been? Like from everybody, from everybody Shesty's involved. He's still looking like, for it, man. He's still looking. Yeah. Him, yeah. But, but you know, it's like I was saying about the Rangers last week, they're young. Like, you know, I mean, I know Shesterkin's not exactly totally young. He's like, what, 20, 24, 25, something like 25, that. Yeah. He, yeah. He's been, I mean, he's been in Russia for a bit, but. You know, NHL is a big adjustment. Mm-hmm. It's a huge adjustment. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm willing to give him a break, but I mean, the Rangers got some stuff to figure out with him too. But, um, but it, when, it, when it comes to Buffalo, I mean, I mean, they got what four of their nine wins now are against Jersey. They're going to look to make it five out of t- five out of 10 <laughs> after their wins against one team. If they beat them, beat them on Thursday night here. And it's, it's, it's wild to think. And I mean, Jersey seems like they've, they've cashed out. You know they moved they you know, moved Paul Mary and they moved Zajac to the Islanders to their to their old boss and Lou Lamb, and Devils seem like all right whatever youth movement we've got here we're just gonna kind of go with it. Yep. And the Sabers are playing really well. I mean, uh, some crazy people here might say they're ruining their draft stock, but like who cares? <laughs> mm-hmm. Who cares about draft stock at this point? Yeah. Get your get the guys on this team that you got to get figured out for the future figured out. And it seems like they're doing it right now. Yeah, and the only thing too. With the way they've kind of this loosey-goosey play that you've called for and they're doing it here, it really doesn't bode well for the teams that are still going to try and get into the playoffs, you know, as far as like, you know, the Rangers really didn't expect that. I mean, they've been playing them a certain way. I mean, Omar had a great game too. Um, I mean, that's a big plus for, for the for the Sabres in terms of the different style of play up front uh, and letting these guys kind of run and gun a little bit. But Omar's obviously, he's standing pretty tall in there too. He's a good solid player and... You know, I want to ask you about that too. If you think the Sabers will hold on to them, if they'll let them go, but this 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 way for them to play actually kind of will mess things up for teams like Pittsburgh, the Rangers, uh, and the Flyers, and possibly the Bruins here going forward. Now we've talked about, joked about, hey, the Bruins are going to play them at the end of the year. They got a bunch of games left at the end of the year, end mm-hmm. of the season here in a couple of weeks. But it might not be as easy as maybe as it was under Kruger, or you know, because they they, they do seem to have a little bit of buzz going. For whatever yeah. it is, it doesn't. We know the season's over. It's not about the playoffs. Obviously, a couple more guys are going to probably shift out of here on Monday, but these guys have nothing to lose, and sometimes that's not good for other teams. Yeah, no. When when you've got teams in that sort of loosey goosey spot like that, and you know, yeah, yeah, Taylor Hall's not going to be with his team by you know by Monday. Like he's going to be gone. You know, maybe Brandon Montour is going to be gone. Maybe even Linus Allmark. I think I think they'd be a little bit foolish to move on move on him. But hey, if you get a great offer, then you know you got to listen. But um, but but the way they're playing though, uh, 
it, it is. It's a bad thing because you because if you just look at it by the standings and you're you know you're the Penguins or you're the the Bruins or the or you know the Rangers or whoever, you're looking at that and you're going, geez, we need points. And these te- these guys look like the easy pickings for points, and then they come out and you know they they jump your expectations. You know, Rangers got a taste of that this week or uh, this lat this past week, and you know even the Flyers got a bit of a taste of that too. Mm-hmm. So. Um, when you're going in thinking you've got it easy and this team comes at you playing a completely different style of hockey than you saw uh, earlier in the year, it's a shock to the system, but it's also, it's also on the coaches to have the guys prepared for that. I know the coaches always got to say, you know, Oh, we prepare, you know, every game we're ready, blah, blah, blah. And if you come out and just say, he's like, well, you know, these guys, you know, we weren't ready for them. It's like, well, why weren't you ready for them? You know, what, what, what caused you to not be ready for this team that that you that if you just watched video from the last couple of games, you'll see they're playing hockey completely different than how they were. So. Um, so, yeah, th- I mean, there's always that spoiler team when you come down to the end of the season and there's that team that's out of it and they just for whatever reason are playing out of their minds and you're just like, man, I don't want to deal with these guys. Like these guys are out of it. Get out of our way. We want our points. Like we don't want this to be a fight. You don't. You want as few fight games as possible when you're coming down the stretch. You know because you're already going to have fight games with you know whether it's the Capitals or the Islanders or you know the Bruins or Pittsburgh or whoever. You're going to have tons of those games coming up. You want you want there to be a break in the schedule at some point, and usually the bad teams are that break. Right now, it looks like only the Devils are going to be that break team. Yeah. But Lindy Ruff ain't going to let them cool off either. So, I, you, you don't, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to have a hard night against a team like Buffalo. But the way they're playing, they're going to make things difficult. I mean, Buffalo's been getting the fat of the land here against some of the, you know, the other weaker teams in the division. At least the teams that are playing down a bit. Um, so we'll see what they're made of when they play Pittsburgh or when they play Boston and 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 them. But but right now they're playing a, a thousand times better than they have been, and that's that's a huge. I mean, that's a huge thing for them. Yeah, I mean, and we both have to be obvious about the fact that on on Monday, the makeup of this team is going to change. Um, you know, I wanted to point out that defensively they seem to be playing a little better here, and I mm-hmm. want to ask you about. You know, Montour here, obviously, and, and, and Olmark. I mean, you if you lose a couple of key defensive guys, I mean, everything that we just talked about now completely changes. And that, that probably stays the same for the Bruins at the end of the season if they're playing basically a bunch of really stripped-down young kids, kids getting called up, tax squad guys or whatever. Uh, and even though they're playing loosey-goosey for fun, the talent level is not going to really be there. Do mm-hmm. you see the Sabres trading Olmark. The other guy I want to ask about is is Oposo. Would mm-hmm. he be a guy that they, they might, you know, because I could see him, you know, he's he's an older guy. It's kind of crazy because I remember him playing out here in the island, here with the Islanders and stuff, mm-hmm. thinking of him as like a, a veteran-type player right now. But I haven't heard his name mentioned. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure what his uh, trade clause is or anything else, but um, I always I, I would think that Oposo might be a good guy to add to a team as well. I, I think in a, in in a normal circumstance he would, uh, but he's got what two or three years left on his contract. He's getting paid five or six million a year. I, I have to look it up. I don't have it committed to memory. I don't I don't have the knives out for Kyle the way a lot of a lot of people do mm-hmm. uh, here, just because you know he is paid a ton, uh, and you know his offensive numbers have not lived up to expectations. Which I mean, hey, listen, that's that that's 
that that that's got to happen. But I mean, it's been a hard road for him here just because of because of injuries and everything. And yeah, he's got two more years left after this at six million six million per. That's a lot to bring on for a guy who you know. I mean, yeah, now he's yeah. he's had points in what five out of the last six games or something like that. He is playing with uh, the the top unit um, because he's because again they've got the freedom to kind of do what they do. You got kind of pigeonholed under Ralph to be a, a checking line guy, which hey he played very well in that role last year with Gergensons and Larson, uh, and that line was one of their best possession driving lines. That was their best possess- possession line last year, which seems crazy to think of that. But um, but this year, I mean, the whole first half of the year, Kyle looked slow. He you know he looked. Uh, out of place a bit. And, you know, that, I think a lot of that had to do with the, the change in line mates, but he's been better of late, which is nice. But I mean, in this, you know, the economic climate right now, there's no way somebody's going to take him on for two more years at 6 million when, uh, you know, another hit could knock him out, you know, could end of, you know, could end his career basically um, if he takes another, you know, another head hit or something like that. So it's a big risk and, you know, he's 32 years old now. So yeah, that's that makes it really hard. And but you're right. The character's there. He and he's a, one of the all time dudes. I, I swear to you, up and down, he's one of my favorite people in hockey. Mm-hmm. And I, I that that's a that's a reputation he's held. Every you know everybody in Long Island. Every time the Islanders would come up to town, Kyle's got a whole court with everybody to say hello and everything. So you know the guy's beloved. And you know he's made Buffalo his home. You know, he, you know, he and his family live up here now. So it's uh, he's made a commitment to here. So it'd be very tough to see that happen now. Um, but as far as him being traded, I, I would be shocked beyond shocked if he was traded. And what about uh, Omar? this year? Omar, the question with him is a little different because he's got what one more UFA season. He's or sorry, RFA season uh, after this one. Uh, or no, sorry, he's UFA this summer. My bad. Jeez. Um, it's all right, Joe. It's, it's okay. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not hey, making notes all, here. I'm not, I don't write notes down here. while you're saying things. It's okay. <laughs> you're so man. like, jeez, you can't, you can't got his act together. What's he doing here? <laughs> so like, you want like it, the Sabers? If the Sabers, I think the Sabers ideally should probably talk about extending him. If they don't trade him. At the deadline, they should probably throw him a year or two uh, for on a contract. Um, but if they, but if they, but if they don't trade him, and they don't do that, then they're just they're going to see him walk. I'm convinced of that uh, because the UFA goalie market this summer is bad, and if he's the if he's the guy that hits market, he's going to be the best one available. So if you get and you know these are conversations Kevin Adams should already have been having with with Allmark's agent. If he wants to stay, get that deal done. If he doesn't want to stay, trade him. Because you're, if he's going to walk anyways, and you lose him for nothing, and you got to go, you know, dumpster diving through the, uh, the the free agent goalie market, good luck. Because you're going to be you're going to be on a very bad end of the stick when it comes down to it. Because they passed on all the goalies this past summer, thinking, you know, we got Hutton, we've got Allmark, we got you know, we got a kid in the pipeline. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out from there. Well, the problem with put, putting things off forever and ever is that it catches up to you eventually. <laughs> and they're at a point now, at least on the goalie in the goalie uh, perspective, that if they don't, if they're not committing to Allmark, it's time to figure out what you're doing for the future. So that's why, if they trade them, get a goalie in return, um, maybe somebody with a year term or something like that in 
you know, in exchange, because if you don't, you're going to have a very difficult time in the summer figuring it out, or you're going to have to make a trade that you're not comfortable with making in the summer to get a goalie. And that's always a, a dicey proposition. Gotcha. All right. So the other two guys, I mean, obviously Eichel is, I don't know where he is. I guess he's working the kitchen at the arena. I haven't seen him, heard him, nothing in the news. Don't know what's going to go on with him. Um, and the other guy I like is Montour, man. I, I, I just think he's a solid player. Um, and I think he's um, just a really, um, he's like a leadership type of guy too as well. Um, I think it would really suck if he, if he does leave Buffalo because I think he's just um, a, a really good player and a good presence and a great guy to keep on a team that's going to be rebuilding and growing here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I have to believe that he's going. And so between those two guys, and if there's anybody else I'm forgetting, Joe, to wrap up this little trade speculation here for the Sabres that maybe I'm forgetting that you might see is also going to go. Mm-hmm. I would rank out. I, I think Montour is, is going to be traded only because they, they'd been looking at trading him before. Okay. Uh, last, I think it was last summer. Uh, they were looking at moving him. I mean, you know, they they re-signed him. You know, because uh, he was RFA last summer. He's UFA this summer, so it's it's an easy rental for somebody if they need a right-handed defenseman. Um, you know, ideally he's on your second or third pair. Um, I to me he's he's. He's he's more solid now. I think he's played better. There's going to be mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes, but uh, but he's been better of late because they, you know, again the defense have had the freedom to to kind of to move and to join the offensive uh, rush and to join plays. So like that that, that to me speaks better for him uh, because there are teams that could use that. And I you know what you're getting with him. Like you know you're going to get a, a guy who who can rush the puck, who can hit. Uh, and who can jump in and score? I mean, he had the, the the game against Philly where he scored two shorthanded goals in like 30 seconds or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, he set like the NHL record for two fastest shorthanded goals by a defenseman in a game, yep. <laughs> which is, I mean, Crazy. it's bonkers in such a bad season. He sets an NHL record, but <laughs> um, but I mean, he's, I mean, he's the next guy who makes the most sense after Hall to get moved. You know, if you're going to rank him out, it's Hall, it's Montour, then Olmark. Uh, but that, you know, the Allmark thing is very dependent. And then after that, I mean, Tobias Reeder and, and Riley Shahan, you could, I mean, they're both, you know, they were signed for minimum 700,000 uh, UFAs this summer. You can, you know, if if teams need depth help at forward, those are perfect guys to do. Shahan's played really well in his role. Reeder's been really good too. So uh, I, I would suspect that if a team needs a, needs a guy like that, hey, throw, throw the Sabres a pick. Or I, you're not going to throw. I don't think you're going to throw a player at him, but throw him a pick and see see what you can see what you can shake loose with it. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. No doubt about it. And who knows? Maybe nobody else will go. Maybe they'll keep everybody. Could be that way. I mean, and take, put him to work at the used car sale shop. That's right. Or get him get him in the arena making pretzels or something. I there you know. go. Help Jack out in the kitchen. <laughs> Jack, Jack's been overwhelmed. You know. Oh. <laughs> Too much. All right, Joe, before I let you go, let's look at this Eastern Division here. Obviously, we've got to talk about the big trade. Lou Lamb snags two of his guys, his older guys there uh, in New Jersey with uh, Palmieri and Zajac. I mean, the Islanders definitely here. They're going for it. Um, yeah. No doubt about it with Anders Lee going down. You get some scoring punch. You get some veteran uh, experience, some leadership. 
uh, two quality guys, no doubt. Already, uh, you know, uh, it's a quality lineup. It's a, it's a, it's a very strong team. Probably one of the one of the best, if not the best, coaches in the NHL doing what they've been doing without quote unquote big stars on their team. You know, and you can look mm-hmm. at Toronto and you can look at Colorado. You can look at the Rangers. You can look at the Capitals. The Islanders are doing it with just you know some some really good solid talent on there that's not really going to grab any headlines uh, outside of Long Island. So with that said, you know, the Caps there, we've talked about it. We were joking last week they were coasting, then they go get smacked, smacked around. Um, and then, you know, it just gets in. It's a lot of fun here. The, the top six teams are playing each other tonight, and then, you know, the Rangers and Philly here are going to be just chomping away to try and catch Boston, and Boston's got the heat on them, behind them, and they're looking to kind of stay, uh, you know, close to Pittsburgh going here. So this division, especially with the trade yesterday, is is playing out how we all expected it to be. And I guess in addition to your thoughts on the trade, does this do you think the anybody else going to be forced to make a move here? I think Pittsburgh's gonna. I think Pittsburgh's got to make something. They they got to make a move here. It was you know they got good news getting Mal, you know Malkin's back skating and he's mm-hmm. he's practicing. So I think I think that's gonna be their big deadline acquisition is just getting him back in there. But get some D help. They get a defenseman. Get somebody else to help out there. I mean they've had some guys step up. I think Patterson stepped up really nice for them this year. Cody Cece hasn't been you know ever you know the internet hates Cody Cece but he's been all right there. So like you you can. You can get by with that, but I mean, if you got designs on going deep, get another guy. You know, I think Pittsburgh could definitely use another guy. Um, who, you know, as for you know, for guys that might be out there, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they they might be a team where <clears throat> where you think maybe maybe Montour helps out. I don't know. Um, but they've got some. I mean, they got really good depth. You know, their forwards have done really well. I mean, I don't I don't know if they want to go go super young with their defense and uh, let that kid uh, Pierre Olivier Joseph get back, you know, get back in there and, and, and use him a bunch. But um, I mean, they've got some options, but like if they don't, you know, if Ron Hextall doesn't want to be the big wheeler dealer that, that Rutherford was, I wouldn't blame him, <laughs> you know, because Rutherford would just hand out draft picks just to get guys in there and just say, you know, screw the future. I just need guys now. Um, but Pittsburgh, if, they want another kick at the can. They might have to do that. And if you want to avoid playing the Caps or the Isles in the first round, and have not having home ice advantage, uh, might might be a good idea. Like that would that would help out. Boston, I think, is in the same boat. I think Boston needs the Boston needs D help. Something something fierce. Mm-hmm. And that's they they could use some help scoring wise. You know, that, I think that's a team that could that that would be interested in Taylor Hall. I mean, they they thought about signing him uh, in the summer. Um, and obviously I think if, if, if Buffalo ate half the contract, I mean, I think Boston, I think anybody should want Taylor Hall at that price, but, uh, but Boston defense, defense help is, is a huge, huge thing for them. And you know what, get somebody to play next to Krejci because Krejci's having a great season Mm -hmm. and, you know, DeBrusque has had a little bit of an up and down year, uh, on his, on his wing. And uh, that's, that's a little bit unsettled, which is a little weird, but, um, but if you get somebody who can who can really jump in there and give them some extra goals, not that Boston totally needs it, but uh, but if you can solidify that top two, the top two lines. I mean, you got one line that's perfect. You know, you got Marshan, you got Bergeron, you got Pasternak. You don't mess with that line. But but Krejci, give him a little bit of a boost 
get yourself a, a, a two prong attack there and really get get a chance to run with it because because we know what Boston's capable of. And they got some weirdness in goal right now, you know, with Rask being banged up and and uh, Hawks out with COVID. Uh, so they're going with two rookies in Vladash and uh, Swayman. Which is is bonkers to me <laughs> right now, because <laughs> yeah, we I think we were watching Swayman in college a year ago or two years ago I think it was gee whiz man, um, but yeah but you know get Rask healthy get another defenseman in there to help out and I think Boston will be back to being more like Boston that's that's the thing for me and you know w- when it comes to the Rangers and Philly they they stick out as really flawed compared to everybody you know compared to everybody ahead of them which is which is tough i i think philly's problems could be solved if carter hart uh can can get it turned around Mm -hmm. uh which seems like a big ask right now because he's he's very much in his head with with how things have gone um and that's tough Uh, i don't know how you help that with a young with a young guy like that uh, other than get him a few good you know get him a couple of good games in a row get him get him that confidence and get him rolling but philly seems to be a, a jumble and they seem unsettled on defense as well. Um, you know, I know the scoring's a little bit haphazard, um, but like, but the back end is, is the big problem for them. They, they, they cannot stop teams if they get going. I mean that, I mean, Buffalo's two wins against them this year were both six to one, which yeah. tells you, tells you everything you need to know about how, how, how wacky the, the flyers can be. And you know, the Rangers, Rangers are young. And, you know, I think the Rangers were, were, were kind of thumped by having Panarin having to leave, uh, for for his you know for as much time no, as no he doubt. did, yeah. And you know, I mean, you saw Strom take off the second he got back in. So, um, and you know that again, kind of, but kind with, of pulled his weight though when Panarin was out. They oh, really didn't 100%. sink too much, you know. But there's no doubt 100%. as Panarin goes, the Rangers go. Yeah, and you know what? That the line Kreider plays on with uh, Mika and and Booch, I would love to see that a little bit of a uh, a juggle there. Uh, and I don't know how you do it because the, your third line is the three kids with uh, with Heedle, uh, Kravtsov, and Lafreniere. I don't know how you manage trying to get that balanced back. With, you know, when if you're subbing, like if you take Bush out of there and put Kravtsov up on that line, are you asking too much of a guy? You know, playing you know his first handful of games in the NHL, or if you switch Heedle and Mika. You know, are you going to give Lafreniere boosts that way, or are you giving, or are you giving too much to Heedle to try to take care of? You know, there's a lot, and I don't think you move, I don't think you swap Kreider and Lafreniere. Although, I don't know, that might that that, that could help out. Joe, that could help out Krabsov and Heedle. So, Joe, um, if if a brick yeah. comes through your window right now, it's 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 a Rangers fan <laughs> who doesn't like David Quinn. And he's don't, yes. Don't torture the Ranger fans any more than they torture. I I know, and it's even tougher when you had Chris Knobloch step in, and oh, suddenly the whole team was make it up. rocketing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I if if I'm the Rangers, I better figure out if Quinn's my guy. I better know because. Mm. You're gonna have every team call and ask it about if they can speak to Chris Knobloch in the off season if they haven't got if they fire their coach or they're well, looking they, for he one. He has. There's no excuses now. He's got everybody in the lineup. Everybody's healthy. Everybody that they went out and re-signed, put them on paper. He's got everybody. He's got the, you know, the first top two picks the last two years and Lafayette Capital. So he's got no excuses. We'll see what happens. But I gotta get your last thought here on 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 Lamorello, yanking. You know, Zajac and Palmieri here and inserting them into Barry Trotz's lineup. Are the Islanders done? 
with trading. They might be. Yeah. I think they. I think they very well might be. I, I, you know, Lou's not a big, huge shakeup guy at deadlines, especially when his teams are, are going good. Get one or two guys, and then they'll be good. Like th- then he's settled down. And this is classic Lou. Like get out ahead of the deadline, get it done a couple of days in advance. Even do it with a team that's like right down the road, so you don't have to wait for for quarantines or anything like that. Just put them on the train and say, "All right, guys, get in the lineup." Um, that, that that's that's the ultimate shrewd Lou move. You know, get a couple of guys that he knows. You don't give up a lot. Like the two players they gave up, you know, whatever. I mean, if they play in Jersey, okay, fine. If they don't, no big loss. And they give up pick. Who cares? Your pick's going to be what? Bottom five in the first round. So what? So what? Like, that's not important to the Isles right now. Isles want to win a Stanley Cup. That's that's the mode that they're in. And that now they're a team that's built for the playoffs, like fully like they were they played their asses off last year in you know, in the bubble and getting to the East final. But now they're a team that's ready for like the real slog of playoffs, like, you know, traveling to the other cities and, and the you know, the pressure that comes with it and all that stuff. They're ready for it now. And, you know, he knows what he's getting in Zajac. That's your depth guy. He's your face-off guy. He's your veteran guy. Get Paul Mary. He wants a big contract after the season. He's coming in, you know, sort of mercenary style. He's jumping into Phil for Lee. And now the Isles have the problem of, like, how do we set up our lines? We got too many guys. Like, bat, you tough problem to have. Yeah, exactly. You know, they got the goaltending. They, you know, the defense is playing solid. I mean, they were getting seasons out of guys that I don't even think anybody expected. Pellich is having a great year. And, you know, all these guys are just playing outstanding. And, yeah, Isles are a little boring to watch. <laughs> They're going to be more boring to watch in the playoffs, believe me. But they play good. And they play they play a style that's that reminds me a bit of Jersey back in 2012 when they went to the cup final where if you make a mistake in the neutral zone, you got a two-on-one going the other way from a short distance and good luck to your goaltender trying to figure it out. You know, that's the kind of build that they've got right now where they 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 pressure you all over the ice. They forecheck you to death, and you better be good with the puck. <laughs> no doubt. I think I think Jersey's done. I think they're ready. They're ready to get cooking now for for the the postseason run. But now they got to make sure they keep the caps off their heels and they avoid a lull here because of the you know because the caps are just playing steady Eddie. If the caps stay stay solid and take that top spot. I don't know if I like going to Washington. You know four times in a best of seven. I don't know if I like that too much, but if you're the aisles, you want to have as much of that home ice advantage as possible because if you get more people, more people in the mausoleum down there, oh baby, look out because it's going to be a madhouse. It's going to be a madhouse even with 2,000 people there. If they get more inside, forget it. Like that's going to be crazy town. It sure will be, especially if my New York strangers get in and they become oh, the man. fourth speed, fourth seed, and the Islanders play the range in the first round. And there's the headline. Rangers derail Islanders Stanley Cup run and knock them out in the first round. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> it's uh, the Isles won't live it down. I'll you know you my brother much. Shorty and my cousin Mike Carver. You know they wouldn't I be do. happy. <laughs> they, they won't talk to you for months. No, they won't. They won't. <laughs> oh man, so much to look forward to. Joe, super stuff as always. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll see you on the Twitter, and we'll look out for any more trade moves here by the Sabers. And again, we'll uh, have some fun here next week and see what does happen. And go from there, buddy. Absolutely. It's going to be fun, man. Ready for it. Absolutely. All right, Joe. You're the best, man. Have a great weekend. Talk to you later. You got it, Paul. It'd be good. Joe Yarden, always giving us his best here at THS talking Sabres and this crazy Eastern Division as things heat up in the National Hockey League. And THS rolls out.
All right, it's time to go to the great city of Chicago. We're bringing our good friend, Mr. Tab Bamford. Let's talk some Chicago Blackhawks and that wacky Central Division. Tab, good day to you. Welcome back to THS. How are you, sir? Well, it, uh, we, we have joked in the last couple weeks about the weather in Chicago and how it's always fun on uh, baseball opening days. It snowed on the Cubs. Uh, the last three days here, it's been close to 80 degrees and beautiful, sunny. Today, it's 60 and drizzling for the White Sox home opener. So, baseball time in Chicago, uh, always the weather goes bad. But we'd actually kind of prefer that it stay chilly so that the ice surface at the United Center stays uh, stays decent for a team that's hoping to make a run uh, at that fourth playoff spot in the division. Hoping? That's not what we were talking about a month ago. We were in. The Hawks were in. Locked in. Yeah, the, yeah. then Nashville woke up. Who the Surprise. hell do they think they are? They uh, they are the Nashville Predators, and they are the least of bad of the five bottom teams in that division right now. Yeah, it, it's crazy. So let's do what we usually do here real quick, and uh, and we'll just go with the flow here. 40 games played for the Hawks now, 18-17-5, 41 points. You know, 40 games played, Tab, right? 56-game season, 16 yeah. games left. Crazy. Um, we've come so far. Um, since last week, uh, losses to the Canes and the Preds. Beat the Stars Tuesday night, 4-2, and the Stars again tonight. Um, Doc, Kubelik, the Brinkat, Kane scoring the other night. Everybody chipping in. Um, and then you got the big weekend coming up with CBJ, uh, Saturday and Monday. Uh, and a couple with the Wings, and then those Predators. Three in a row, man. It's going to be fun. It's big. And look, Nashville's 8-2-0 and in their last 10. They've kind of, you know, we've joked about it as we get closer to the deadline, and the deadline is now, what, four or five days away. So we're, we're in the danger zone uh, right now for, you know, hug watch and healthy scratch watch, as they like to say in Buffalo. <laughs> um, the um, guys have been healthy and active, and it looks like a scratch some nights up in Buffalo. Sorry. Uh, but, no, it's you, you've got uh, teams are starting to make moves, and – um, and so that's what starts to make things interesting. Last night, Wednesday night, the Devils and Islanders made a big trade. We were joking before we jumped on the air that, you know, last year the Devils trade Andy Green effectively crossed town to the Islanders. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, I think everybody expected to be traded at some point. He goes to the Islanders, but he takes Travis Ajak with him. Yeah. And uh, and that was fascinating, you know, a guy who I think ranks fourth in Devils history and games played just early this year, reached his 1,000th game, played mm-hmm. all for the Devils. But you know what? He He's the kind of guy that Barry Trotz loves to have. So we will, we'll, we'll see how that works for them. Um, and, uh, slight, you know, a little bit before we came on uh, the, to put the show together, uh, the Blackhawks and Panthers made a trade, uh, the first – trade of any type of significance in the division this year. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for the two sides because uh, obviously the Panthers are in a position where they're chasing the one spot in the division. And the Blackhawks are looking to tool a little bit for the future, but also try to stay competitive for that four spot. Yeah, I mean, number one, weird that uh, two teams within the division trade together uh, this late in the season and obviously – there are playoff implications. They are. They do have some games left with each other. I do believe. Um, why don't you break this down a little bit for us, Tab? As far as um, the guys that are involved in this, and, and and what do you think? 
what do you think the thinking here is between these two teams? Absolutely. So headed to Florida, our defenseman Lucas Carlson and forward Lucas Walmart. Walmart just cleared waivers. Um, he came in on a one-year deal, kind of became an odd man out with some of the young guys emerging in Chicago. Um, and he'll be a he'll be a nice depth add for Florida. He's a rental. Um, not sure if he floats between the taxi squad and the NHL roster for them, but uh, he's a guy that you know has a decent game. He's a bottom bottom six guy. Carlson's a young defenseman. We've talked at length this year about the number of guys the Blackhawks have on the blue line. Um, I really like his game. Uh, I think that there's a lot there. I think he could be a guy who helps them as they try and figure out how they're going to move past the Ekblad injury. It sounds like Florida's going to keep rolling with seven defensemen in the interim. Obviously, when Walmart gets there, he might give them another option up front. But uh, two guys who... I don't think after the 21 season, the Blackhawks really had a big expectations for uh, are headed to Florida. Chicago's side of the deal is fascinating. Uh, forward Brett Connolly, defenseman Riley Stillman, uh, center Henrik Borgstrom, and a seventh-round pick this year, which I believe is Florida's. Florida's got two in the seventh, but from what I've seen, Pierre Lebrun was reporting that it was the Panthers' seventh-rounder. Seventh-round pick, eh, uh, that's not really what's winning the day here. The interesting thing is this, uh, Borgstrom, uh, from what I've heard, is the kind of the key to this deal for the Chicago Blackhawks. S- decent size for a center 6'3", about 200 pounds. He's the 23rd overall pick uh, in the 2016 draft. Big kid, left-handed shot. Uh, right now he's playing in Finland, and you're thinking, okay, so why is you know a guy who turns 24 in August playing in Finland if he was a first-round pick? He did skate for the Panthers over three years in 58 NHL games. He had nine goals and 10 assists after playing at DU, where he was a teammate of Blackhawks prospect Ian Mitchell, uh, who, again, I'm really high on. Back in 17-18, he had a really dynamic career at, at Denver. Um, a lot of people thought that he was, he was a legit offensive threat in the middle of the ice, but it never really clicked in Florida. He's a guy that knows that he's good can play at the NHL level and wants to be in kind of that top six role. Um, So he's actually not under contract right now with the Panthers. He was an RFA. So Florida still owns his rights. So he comes to Chicago in this deal. uh, And obviously I think the Blackhawks see that there might be, you know, some reclamation type action there. Stillman's a 23 year old defenseman. He was a fourth rounder in 2016. Uh, He's been up and down over the last couple of years, left-handed shot, decent size, Plays a good game with some physicality to it. Um, I think that there's some untapped potential there. Florida, ironically, has the same crowded blue line situation that Chicago does. <clears throat> so, excuse me, Carlson and Stillman uh, are kind of, I, I think, a little bit of a wash, but I think Stillman might be the more physical of the two players. Um, and then you got Brett Conley, who's an interesting player here. Um, big body, 6'3", about 200 pounds. Huge. Huge. Uh, a few years ago with Washington, he had 22 goals and 24 assists. Um, he's a guy who's kind of been in that 19 to 20 goal, you know, 18 to 20 goal range for the last four years or so. And this year, he's just completely fallen off the map. Two goals, uh, two assists in 21 games for the Panthers. Uh, he's in the middle of a 
deal that's got two years left after the 21 season with a three and a half million dollar cap hit. So uh, I think the feeling here is that the Blackhawks see that he's a veteran that's got some good size, which the Blackhawks do not have up front. Uh, there is some scoring history there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously with him being in that, like again, 18 to 20, 22 goal range. Um, so there, there might be a little bit more that they can pull out of him, but uh, lots of people felt like Connolly was one of those bad contracts that the Blackhawks would be able to bring in with the cap spate that they have this year with Taves uh, on long-term injured reserve, Seabrook LTIR, but quasi-retired, uh, and then Zach Smith and Andrew Shaw also missing most of the year and being on LTIR as well. So, I mean, the Hawks have now probably, after this deal, in the neighborhood of $18 million in cap space to play with if they want to. Uh, but again, I think Borgstrom is the guy here who intrigues the Blackhawks most. Um, Stillman is an RFA after this year, so we'll see with the crowd blue line in Chicago what the future might hold for him. But I, I do not believe that the Blackhawks are done. They've still got some interesting pieces. Uh, you know, we've talked about Matthias Yanmark's value. He's outplayed his contract. He's a rental in Chicago. A team like Boston that was in on Palmieri might be interested in him. Uh, so I don't think the Blackhawks are done by any means, but. Uh, Borgstrom's a, an interesting prospect who some have used the word bust about, uh, but he's got 11 goals in 27 games in Finland this year. And if he's guaranteed of NHL ice time, he might come back over at some point. So an interesting deal for both sides here. Um, not, not something that's going to be massively impactful for Florida beyond obviously clearing up that three and a half million in cap space for Connolly. Uh, especially the next two years, but uh, but an interesting trade. And you know, when, when you talked about Paul, the the idea that it's odd to see teams make a deal inside the division mm-hmm. um, in this scenario, you know, it, it's a little different than the Devils and the Islanders, where there's the geographic rivalry, the fans bumping into each other, going to work and at bars. You know, theoretically, if folks are are starting to do that again. Um, and certainly into the future. But I think in this case, you have to keep in mind that the Florida Panthers will not be in the Blackhawks division next year. Yeah. And so this is a deal where uh, Florida saw a way to get rid of a bad deal, clear up a little cap space this year and over the next two years. Uh, and the Blackhawks were able to, you know, go get a prospect that they certainly saw a lot of. Blake Hillman was an old Blackhawks prospect who was a DU back then as well. So the Blackhawks certainly saw enough of Borgstrom while they were watching Hillman and Mitchell at DU that they should know, have a good idea of what they're getting, uh, but they just have to find a situation where it works for him to come back to the NHL. Very true. And I'm going to make a note here, though. If the Panthers do end up playing the Hawks in the first round and Connolly scores a huge overtime winner to knock them out, I just want that on the paper right here. Connolly wins. You know, it, it's interesting to see how the dividends <laughs> might play out that way, but I'm not sure uh, with the way that the Black, you know, the Blackhawks did grab a couple from Florida recently, but that Florida team was without uh, Mr. Barkoff for those two games, and Barkoff is really establishing himself as a bona fide heart contender the way that he's playing this year. So with Barkoff in the lineup, I'm not sure Florida is going to sweat going to an, an elimination game with the current state of the Chicago Blackhawks. But you're right. And, you know, it's one of those things where Florida could end up the one, and if the Blackhawks can get their crap together here and end up the four, 
this could be a deal that does have some implications in the first round of the playoffs. And it's happened before, Tab. I can dream, you know, a guy like Connolly can go on a tear and just have a, a sick series, and it would just be fun to uh, – I'm going to just write this down on a piece of paper. In case it happens in Thursday, ink, Thursday April uh, We're not penciling anything in here. No, you're right. And, you know, again, one of the things that Chicago needs up front is size. They've got a lot of size – Coming on the blue line, they've got decent size back there right now. You know, when I first saw that Chicago and Florida were talking about a trade and Connolly's name was reported early on by Elliot Friedman and that $3.5 million cap hit, my mind initially went to a guy like Calvin DeHaan being a Band-Aid for Ekblad being out um, and bringing in a veteran for Quinville to work with down there. But they went with a youngster. Uh, the good news for the Blackhawks is this move with Walmart having cleared waivers this week uh, and Carlson not being actively part of the NHL roster. Chicago's rolling the same lineup tonight that they did on Tuesday, so this does not affect anything that they had going at the NHL level, but it does give Jeremy Carlton, especially with Connolly, a veteran option up front with some size that they desperately need uh, if Connolly's ready to go. Okay, now with this said, and you know the, the the change of events here in the last two weeks with the Preds kind of coming on here. I mean, a full three games ahead now, twenty one wins uh, over the Hawks, eighteen, and uh, a couple of points here and stuff. And obviously, the Hawks just have to go out there and 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 win. And and every team in the division, obviously, Captain obviously doing the same thing. Do you don't see the Hawks really kind of trying to do anything else here? I mean, I know we talked about it, and you mentioned, like I said, playoff experience is invaluable. You want to get these guys in here. You know Colleton and this crew are going to play to get in. There's no doubt about it. But as far as this trade deadline right now, in addition to the Hawks here, do you see any of the other teams here, Columbus, Tampa, Carolina, Florida, making any kind of bigger moves than, you know, a smaller kind of switch here and some draft picks and some, uh, you know, older guys here as far as what the uh, the Hawks and, and the Panthers – did here do you see anything earth shattering coming up here before monday well you know i think there are two things and we've talked about this as you know throughout the season as we look ahead to the trade deadline which is now staring us square between the eyes right now um the big thing that you have to keep in mind is is two pieces one the cap and the fact that a lot of teams do not have the space that they need Tampa, obviously, is already playing with LTIR space right now. Um, the Blackhawks are, feel like they're flush with cap space, but that's, again, a situation that they're going to have to navigate in the offseason um, with Seabrook likely being a, an LTIR candidate for the next uh, rest of his career. Um, so that's something that they're going to have to navigate. But, look, you know, Dallas doesn't have a ton of cap space. Either they're up against it. I'm not sure that the teams at the top of the division uh, need to do much if massive, you know, 12-pound asterisk on this, if they can stay healthy. Uh, I think Carolina's got the most wiggle room to play with, but I'm not sure that they've got as many holes to fill as maybe a Florida with the loss of Ekblad um, does. And so, you know, it, it is interesting. You've got some big names out there. Obviously, the elephant in the room is Taylor Hall. Uh, you know how I feel about Taylor Hall. You know, I do. People were like, you know, how in, how the hell could Edmonton trade him straight up for Adam Larson? And now you're like, which team really won that trade? <laughs> um, you know, Edmonton actually looks better for having done it. I'm not sure Taylor Hall 
fixes or improves anything in this division. Um, but the other caveat on the statement about the trade deadline is you've got some limited cap space. You also have an expansion draft coming. Mm-hmm. And a guy like Brett Connolly will be exposed by the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, you know, he's a taxi squad guy coming from Florida. So he's a guy that will be made available. Um, and so you might see, I think you'll see a lot of activity between now and the deadline with teams tinkering with guys, not only to alleviate some cap space for next year, if possible, because we really, you know, the, the cap situation for next year is still a huge TBD. Uh, it's probably going to stay fairly level with what it is this year. So you're going to have some teams that are going to look to give themselves some flexibility over the summer to make some improvements or, you know, maneuver at the draft. And you're also going to have teams that are going to look to add guys to make available to Seattle. So uh, in this division right now, I think it's going to be, I think the Blackhawks might be actually the most active because of their cap space, because of where they're at in kind of a retool rebuild situation with some young guys emerging as, viable NHL players and again the depth that they have on the blue line being bloated um so I think the Blackhawks are not done I think that they'll but I think it'll be more tinker than anything massive um and you'll see teams dealing not only to position themselves for a deep run this year but also making sure that they are cap compliant for next year and ready for Seattle to come in and take at least one player off of their roster at some point this summer Break out the popcorn and sit back and hang out and wait here. Look, Kev, last thing I want to ask you before, you know, regardless of the trades here, you know, we've been focusing obviously on the Hawks and the Preds here this last two weeks as far as the shifting there. Um, you know, Columbus got to do its thing, and Dallas is struggling, obviously, and the wings are the wings. But these top three teams here, what have you noticed in seeing the Hawks play them here the last couple of weeks as far as who you think is going to end up taking this division I mean, I, I know we got a brutal month to go here. This is just going to be unbelievable hockey uh, for the rest of this month um, with everybody just playing each other every other night, points shifting back and forth. But do you see do you see a king of this division right now as far as Florida, Carolina, and the Bolts are concerned? I mean, I, I think right now, I mean, look, entering Thursday's action, you've got Florida at 56 points in 40 games. Carolina's one point back with two games in hand, 55 and 38. Tampa's two points back with one game in hand, 54 and 39. So you got a two-point spread between first and third, and the two games chasing Florida have at least one or two games in hand. Uh, Nashville is uh, 11 points back of the three spot with 40 games played. So I think those top three are safely situated for right now in that top three. I think the pressure on those top three is to get to the one seed because I don't, I mean, Nashville has been interesting lately, but look, their goal differential for the season is still in the red. So Chicago's. So, I mean, the only team in the bottom five that's got a positive goal differential is Dallas. And, you know, we don't know what the hell to make out of them because they're under 500 at home and on the road. They're seven, six and seven at home right now, which is just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, except if you've watched them play this year and know that they lack two things, Tyler Sagan and consistency. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, I think right now those three teams would prefer to get the four seed in the first round and avoid playing one of those other teams. 
because I think the the assumption is let the two and three go at it and do war in a series and then take your shot at whoever is able to emerge from that. Um, and so, you know, those three teams are, I, I feel, fairly securely playoff bound, but there's a lot to play for for them because they've still got a lot on the line to avoid playing each other. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it sorts out. Obviously, Joel Quinville doing a magnificent job uh, the with thing, the Florida Panthers, yeah, too. All, so it, it's and, good. And on the Panthers, their tab, uh, obviously with Ekblad going down, too. I mean, obviously, I mean, the Cats here, a uh, couple there. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable to throw Dallas in this bottom of the division here, but it is. You lump them in there with Detroit and then uh, Columbus. So, I mean, they've, they've gone out and beat these teams. Um, they lost to Carolina the other night. They got Carolina tonight. And then Dallas again. And it's Tampa, Columbus, Carolina. I mean, just seeing this team continue on, and obviously Ekblad being such a huge loss is also very impressive. But I'm just looking at the schedule here, and that's going to help them out, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, we talked in March about the Blackhawks going on that hellacious road trip where they really didn't have an off night. They started the month with three at home against Tampa and then a couple in Dallas, and then they're rolling through the state of Florida, and they come home for Florida. Like, the month of March was hell for yeah. the Blackhawks. But you're right. You look at Florida's schedule coming up, and they're able to balance series against Carolina and Tampa with series against Columbus and Dallas, who can't get out of their own way right now. I mean, the Blackhawks are 4-6-0 and in their last 10, and Columbus hasn't made up any ground. They've actually lost a point uh, on them. Uh, and so, you know... Florida being able to kind of go tough series. Every series is tough in the National Hockey League this year because you're going back-to-back against the same team. But I think the fact that they're able to have a couple games in between where they're not going against the team they're fighting for those top spots should benefit them. That being said, don't have to tell you about trap games. And if you go battle Carolina and then you get a desperate Dallas team that, again, you know, they're – three games in hand on Nashville and Chicago uh, and seven points back in Nashville um, and five back of Chicago. If they want to, if they want to go on a roll here, they've got games to make up. They have the fewest games played in the division. So they have the glimmer, slight, slight glimmer of hope that they could chase it. And so for, but that's where the value of a guy like Joel Quinville comes in. You know, he's a guy that isn't going to, allow you to walk into a game against a Columbus or Dallas and say bottom feeder, who cares? Um, and have a bad period. You have a bad shift and you'll hear about it and you might miss your next couple shifts because that's how Q rolls. So um, it will help Florida, but those trap games are always there ever present. And you know, torts isn't going to give them a night off either. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how things roll out. It's really exciting that, You've got three teams that are clearly ahead of the rest of the pack, but there's a lot for them to fight for right now. And then realistically, you've got three teams between Nashville, Chicago, and Columbus, even though Chicago and Columbus have had their issues in the last three, four weeks. Those three teams are right there in it with each other. And so you're right. And you talked early on in the show about, you know, the Blackhawks have a couple in Columbus coming up this weekend. Then they've got three in a row, one in Nashville, two at home. Like that, You have got games popping here where it's going to matter. 
And, you know, the end of the season is going to be really it's just brutal for the Blackhawks when you actually look at it with starting on the 20, you know, they go the three with Nashville and then they host Tampa for one. They got two at home with Florida, three in Carolina, and then they closed the year with two that were rescheduled with Dallas from the COVID issues. So, you know, for as bad as March was, the Blackhawks are staring down the barrel of that again after they deal with Columbus and Detroit. So um, the Blackhawks have a steep uphill climb in front of them. Nashville is playing well enough that now the Blackhawks have work to do and the schedule is not going to do them any favors. So uh, it, it's, it's fun. I think a lot of people question this format with the four divisions and all the games being inside. I love the playoff format, the old school, mm-hmm. truly win your division before you advance. Um, I think that that's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to make for some really important game. Every game matters yep. in the National Hockey League this year because they are all divisional games. And so I think that's what's really fun for hockey fans is to watch uh, a schedule here where you've got basically a month left and every game matters every night. Um, Because even teams like the Devils that just sold, they're experimenting with young guys. They want to see what they've got for the future. Chicago's in the same spot. So unless you're Buffalo, you know, every game is going (laughs) to... Another cheap shot at the poor Sabres. But but no, and realistically, I mean, every division has you know, a conversation to be had about who's going to keep their hands on that fourth spot in the playoff picture. And so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch down the stretch. Absolutely. And Tab, on your way out the door, if you're Gary Bettman, because I want to hit you up because you're always good on the sports bit stuff, the Vancouver Canucks, 21 guys with COVID, seven games already postponed, only four weeks left in the season. Do you call it a season for the Vancouver Canucks? Oh, gosh. I mean, when you think about what the potential salary cap implications are for them just trying to feel the roster at this point, it is so hard to imagine a scenario where you would they'd be able to afford bringing effectively an entire new NHL roster up and make it work somehow. That's the part that you kind of have to do some backwards mathematics in your head. But here's the problem. They're eight points back in Montreal right now. And Montreal isn't exactly lighting the world on fire. Mm-hmm. So, the you know, Montreal actually has a game in hand on Vancouver right now because they've had their own stuff to deal with. They've only played 36. But at the same time, you know, you cannot push the playoffs back further than you have. You've already made accommodations in extending the regular season because of Dallas uh, and Vancouver earlier in the year, Boston has had games pushed beyond where the, uh, you know, the hopeful closing date is in the regular season. But the problem is in that that's the seven team division. And so you're going to have lopsided games played totals in, in Canada, in the North division. So it's hard to say you're done. You know, you're going to just eliminate 19 games yeah. um, and situation, have them man. just end the season where they're at because that plays into the lottery, too. I mean, Ottawa's five points behind Vancouver. If Vancouver, if, if their season's banged today and they end up with 35 points and somehow end up winning the draft lottery, you know that there are going to be other cities that are livid that a team wins the lottery because their odds were improved by not playing enough games. But it's an unprecedented situation. So, um, you know, I don't know how the hell the NHL makes that work. I really don't. Because financially... 
it's it's a really tough situation. It sounds like some of the guys up there are in pretty bad shape too, uh, who actually have COVID. So mm-hmm. Vancouver has not played like a playoff team. I'm not sure that they would catch Montreal, but at the same time, with only seven teams in that division, it's going to make for a lopsided end of the season. And you're going to have to retool this if you do cancel it. You're going to have to rewrite the entire schedule for the last month so that you balance the number of games played up there. And that's, again, mental gymnastics that I'm not physically in shape to do. (laughs) That was a good take on it, though, man. It was a good shot. I don't know how they're going to figure it out. Tab, always the best. Love having you here. Appreciate your take, as always. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the games. And uh, we'll have some fun here next week after the trade deadline and see if any more moves were made. Appreciate it, brother. Beautiful. Be good. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy some hockey. Watch some baseball. Have a nice cocktail, maybe a good cigar, and uh, just enjoy the fact that we're starting to see some butts and seats in different sports. And hopefully by the time we get to the playoffs, maybe in a bubble, we'll be able to have some fans shouting in the hockey arenas around the U.S. and Canada. Sounds good. Words to live by. Mr. Tab Banford talking some Hawks and some Shunter Division. And THS rolls on! All right, it's time to head up the beautiful land of Canada and the great city of Montreal and bring in our good brother Mr. Costa Papalias and we'll talk some Habs and that nutsy North Division up there north of the border here down in the States. Costa, welcome back to THS brother, how are you? I'm doing great man. I gotta tell you, I'm glad you didn't say great white because it ain't white up here no more. (laughs) (laughs) The raining, muddy, all that stuff. Not at all. It's a gorgeous sunny day. It's uh, 20 degrees Celsius. I'm outside in a t-shirt, loving every second of it. So it's hot. You guys can go to the beach there in Canada. Are there any beaches uh, in you, Canada? I, okay, hang on. I said it's 20 degrees outside. I didn't say the water's 100 degrees. Like, seriously. <laughs> so so I can't call it the Great White North because there's no snow-capped mountains this evening in Montreal. No. No, nothing. Okay. Another story. Yeah. So, pal, yeah. um... It's, it's good to have you back here. I know I missed you last week. I know you had to uh, feed the polar bears up in Newfoundland. Yep. So we, yep, yep. Uh, we got it's you back the here. <laughs> so lots happened. Uh, a lot of fun going on, obviously, in the league right now as far as the trade deadline coming up here on Monday. So let's just do what we always do here. The Habs, 36 games played, 17, 10, and 9, 43 points. Fourth in the division, 14th in the league. Since last week, or two weeks, but let's talk about last week, um, two and two with a split with the Sens, a win versus the Oilers, and a loss to the Leafs last night because Jack Campbell just can't lose, um, mm-hmm. at least uh, in 10-game sets. But um, let's let's see what's going on, man. You got um, Eric Stahl was added to the mix, and, uh, and now Gallagher is out six weeks with a thumb injury, and Price is day-to-day. So um, with all that said, you guys are still eight points clear of the Canucks, who I don't know if they're ever going to play hockey again, and you guys don't really have to worry about the Flames. So there you go, buddy. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this much, man. I, like, the, the, we, we've been talking about this now for a little while, and, and, and the Habs are, like, hot and cold, and they always run hot and cold. You know, and, and I'm not surprised that this has happened to them. I'm pretty sure that the way you see the division right now, one through four, is the way the division is going to end up finishing off after 56 games. Um, you know, as the days go by, there's more, more COVID in Vancouver day after day after day, and that's absolutely nuts. And, like, we feel for them because there's a huge outbreak out there, not just with the team, but in the province itself. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you're looking at it from a hockey perspective, the addition of Eric Stahl, I was a little surprised that he wanted to add another centerman, but, you know, I, there were a couple of th- mitigating factors that really caught my eye. Number one was 
uh, Phil Deneau's face-off percentage. Now, over time, Deneau's always been the guy that has been gone to for, you know, important face-offs in the offensive zone. It's always been him, Tatar, and Gallagher. And now you're picking up a guy in Eric Stahl, who in his first game was at 78%. And so if you've got a guy hovering between, you know, 55 and 60, you say, oh, great, hell, awesome. Okay, if Eric Stahl is hovering anywhere between 65 and 75 I mean, it's going to be a great addition for the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, given the fact that he even scored the overtime winner in his first game, more power to him because that's a, that's, a, that's a tough act to follow after you do that in your first game. <laughs> uh, you know, Gallagher's got to stop blocking shots with his hands. Ugh. I mean, that guy's got worse luck than anybody I've ever seen in my life. And this time it wasn't even Weber that hit him. The first two times it was. This time it was Romanov. Well, give and, us, of course, give Romanov... Me- Give me a little history on that, Costa. What's what's the deal with Gallagher here and his and his thumb and blocking shots and getting injured? Well, well, the whole thing with him, you know how he is, right? The, the the front of the net is his kitchen, and so you know he stands in front of the net. You know he tries to get in the, the face of the goaltender, block shots, whatever that you know, get tips, whatever the case may be. But when you're dealing with guys that have booming shots like a Shea Weber and and a Romanov, I mean, I, it's it's fine to say okay, you're going to stand in front of the net, but holy hell, get out of the wing when they unload, you know. Make the goalie flinch. and But Gallagher just stays there. So, you know, the shots are coming at a, at a level, you know, that, you know, they're, they're under the armpit, above the pad. That's right where your hands are. So <laughs> if you're going to decide to stay there, either wear, like, Robocop's hands or gloves or get out of the bloody way. Because either way, that puck hits you in, in the digits, you're done. And that's exactly what happened to him three times now in his career. Well, needless to say, this is not going to help the Habs out here. I mean, again, you know, I, I, I don't want to joke about it. It's not a joke. I mean, unfortunately, what's happened in Vancouver is just mind-boggling, and I don't even know how the league's going to figure that whole thing out. But with all the, the ups and downs here for the Habs this season, the coaching changes and everything else, uh, this move, even Gallagher going out, you know, six weeks, eh, three left here, and, you know, they get the playoffs, maybe Gallagher gets back, you know. But, again, eight, an eight-point cushion here. I mean, talk to me as far as, you know, Gallagher going down and as far as the, the, the Habs cause here the rest of the way. Um, you know, how, how does – I mean, he's putting up goals for these for you guys as well. How, how is, how is Deshaun going to uh, manage the, the team now? I mean, maybe you give me an idea too. What, what do you do when Brendan Gallagher goes down on the Montreal Canadiens? Well, depth-wise, you got to look for a guy who's got that same kind of, kind of acumen where, you know, he, he's not afraid to get to the dirty areas, get to the front of the net, you know, battle you know, with the opposing defenseman, get in the goalie's face, take a couple of shots, whatever the case is. And when you look at the Habs lineup up and down, I mean, you've got a guy like Josh Anderson who can certainly do the job. You know, the only worry about him is that, you know, he's like blast. The minute you hit him, you know, he's injured for two weeks. You know, so that's a concern. You know, you look at I, yesterday they had Jesperi Kotkaniemi in that spot. And I think he did relatively well, all things considered. You know, it was a 3-2 game. I mean, it, it is what it is, right? You know, somebody's got to win it eventually. And, you know, it happened to be the Leafs this time around. Boo. But, you know, it's it, 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 Kakinyemi can certainly do the job because he's become the type of player who who's not afraid to get his nose dirty, to get to the front of the net. And, I mean, it, there's not a single Habs player that won't go to the front of the net. You know what I mean? So it, it, it's just a question of, you know what? This is what we want from you. Make sure you clearly establish the role for the player you intend on replacing Gallagher, and you'll be fine. I mean, I, I think they'll be able to get through it. And I, Personally, I think the best candidate to put there would have been Jake Evans. I think Evans, given the fact that he's got the type of speed that he has, would be a, an actual compliment to guys like Tatar and Dano, and we might see a little bit more offense from them. Well, that's and, – and, you know, that's – 
hopefully what uh, you know we got to sit and wait here, uh, wait and see here. Obviously, have fans and in terms of uh, you know this always happens in hockey. Costa, you know it. A guy goes down. It opens up a spot for somebody to step in and, and take over and, and take advantage of that and, and, and prove themselves and give them an opportunity to, you know, contribute to the team here. Um, is, that, is it going to be Froelich? Is, is that a guy you can... Uh... No, I think Mike Froelich's a little bit too long in the tooth to do that kind of stuff, right? I you mean, know, I was joking. As, a, as the speed racer I, went by there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'm standing outside. I told you, it's a lovely day, man. The best place to do radio is outside in the sun. Awesome. You know that as well as I do. Studios get musty. Yes, but no, you know, it's 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 you know, for a leak's a little long in the tooth to take care of that kind of work and get to the front of the net. He's not that type of player anymore. Um, you so I guess know, the I question guess, is, I, constant, do, do the Habs need to make a move? Can they make a move? Uh, does it make any sense for them to make a move here uh, with the cushion, with the way they're going here, uh, and everything else? Give me your thoughts here with the trade deadline coming up on Monday. Well, that's what I've been thinking about for the last few days. I mean, I'm glad you asked that question because. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, what happens is, you know, you, you have to late, take a look at the value that the player brings to your team and whether or not that's actually replaceable. There's not a lot of teams that are trying to get rid of players like a Brendan Gallagher. You know, those those guys are few and far between. Like, you, between you and I, I don't think Edmonton's ever going to look to try to get rid of a guy like a Zach Cassian or something like that who's in that same type of mold as Gallagher, despite the fact he's like three feet bigger than he is and outweighs him by about 100 pounds. But, you know, those players, there's teams that never want to get rid of them because they're so hard to find. The league is, is so structured on, on, on speed and skill right now. The real grinders that you and I enjoyed watching, you know, like the Johnny O'Grodnicks in your case or the Chris Nylons in my case. Johnny O'Grodnick, know. there's a blast I, from the past. I told you, it goes to show you how old I am, man. That's what I'm saying, right? Those guys that you depended on to get, you know, dirty, you know, get in the corners, dig the pucks out, get them out front, whatever the case is. And you know as well as I do that O'Grodnick had sweet hands when he got out in the open, same as Chris Nyland. You know, he could throw punches, but he could score goals too. He always had always around 20 goals a year. Those guys are hard to find. You know, so when your team depends on a guy like that for, like, I would say maybe a tenth of their offense based on what they produce and what, you know, they bring out of the corner and whatever work they do on the ice, it's difficult. And I don't think anything that, you know, is traded for can bring that value back to your team because the last part of that particular player you're looking for is character. The guy can have all the digging skills and the heart, you know, have no heart and he's useless to you. Brendan Gallagher has heart. Yeah. He's got that one analytic that nobody counts on. I don't think they can replace him through trade. I think, you know, if they stand pat right now, they'll be fine. And, you know, whether he comes back before the end of the season or not, like I said, I still think the Canadians are going to make it into the playoffs, at which point, you know, it becomes moot. Don't bring him in too early. Don't make him suffer another injury too early. Let him, you know, rest. Let him make sure that hand heals properly and fill in the blank as you go along. And, if and you know, like I said, that's that's a big part of it here. Like I said, where they're sitting and, and like I said, one team behind them can't play and the other team is just too far behind them to even really make a difference right now. And they can't play because their their games are postponed against Canucks right now anyway. A um, mm-hmm. couple things here. Um, Carey going down day-to-day, obviously not a big concern right now. And Jake Allen's been pretty good there in between. Um, uh, with, with the Habs and, and your thought here of them probably standing pat with the trade deadline here, let's just turn here to the rest of the uh, the top teams in the division, and that's the Leafs, the Oilers, and the Jets. It, it kind of gets a little different. I mean, it's you know, you see what the, the Islanders did yesterday uh, with the Devils in, in terms of, you know, the, each division obviously 
as far as trading in and out of their division and what they can do and what guys are available. Do, do you see, I mean, the Leafs seem to be a bit of a machine. I mean, the Oilers are really kind of rocking and rolling too. You know, I don't know where Winnipeg lies as far as them just being a really good solid team in that third spot in the division. Do you see any of the top three teams looking outside of the division in terms of who they might end up having to play down the road for the Cup in terms of them making a move here on Monday? I think between – you're right about the Jets. Jets, I mean, I'm going to push them to, to the side because the Jets don't really have that much to trade with because a lot of their players are a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and closer towards the end of their careers in the beginning, right? They got rid of Patrick Liney last year, and, you know, they tra- traded him. And so I don't think they have too much – there's no way they're getting rid of Connor. You know, they're not really getting rid of the Ehlers. You know, they're two of their younger, better players. Uh, Blake Wheeler, his value, I mean, he's a great, you know, great leader, but, you know, he's not producing as much as he used to. Mark Shifley still got, you know, a lot of games, good player, but he's not going anywhere. You know, it's 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 tough to talk about Winnipeg and say that they're going to make any moves. When you look at Edmonton and, and you look at Toronto, the one thing that you and I keep talking about is their lack of depth on defense. Each one of those teams has one workhorse. In Edmonton's case, it's Darnell Nurse. In Toronto's case, it's Morgan Riley, you know. They've got some accompanying pieces. You know, Toronto's got Jake Muzzin. You know, uh, you, you look at uh, Edmonton, they've got Larson on the back end who's been playing really, really well. I think the, the team between the two that decides to go out and pick up that extra piece on defense to really solidify their back end is the one that's going to come out on top in the division. And, and you know, I, it could be Toronto. Toronto, you know, they've been riding Jake Allen like a workhorse there, and he's been doing really, really well now. It's 10 straight games he hasn't lost. Uh, you know, you look at Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton between Mike Smith and Koskinen, and they've been doing okay, but, you know, Koskinen's game could fall off a cliff anytime, and Mike Smith, the minute he gets ticked off, you know, his game goes out the window. <laughs> so you can't really count on those guys because they don't have the acumen to really carry a team, and you've seen that, you know, whether Smith was in Calgary or, you know, or whether he was in Phoenix, you know, he had his spurts, but he couldn't carry the team. You know, Jack Campbell has that capacity to do that. In fact, I think the injury to Freddie Anderson is actually a godsend for the Leafs because it gives them a chance to really evaluate Campbell and where they're going to go moving forward. You hate to say that about Anderson, but, you know, he's a little long in the tooth there as well, right? Just like you and I. So, uh, look at seeing a young guy. Which is, you know, yeah, it's, it's, right. it's, it's crazy with Anderson and stuff. The guy, unfortunately... You know, it always seems that something comes up, you know, and he can never Every really kind of never seem to really kind of take this team on his back and 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 prove what a lot of people years ago thought this kid was going to be bring. I mean, he's look, he's a he's a super goaltender, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know too as far as, you know, you being a coach as well too, you see certain guys that can just they just can't get there no matter how good they are or how hard they train and everything else. And here it is. Here's another story. And I think you, you, you laid it out correctly there, and I think that's the best way to look at it too as far as the Leafs now. This guy, Campbell here, has kind of fallen into their lap. And and, and I want to – what I, I've seen the last couple of days is they're – you know, when, when you see teammates, I, that's got to be so frustrating for Anderson too because all you hear in the papers, you're reading the columns, you're seeing the snippets, they're raving about how much they love this guy. His other teammates. What mm-hmm. does that do to a guy like Anderson sitting on the sidelines? I shouldn't do anything. Because at the end of the day, they talk about Anderson the same way when he's playing well or when he's healthy. There's no, you know, there's no in-between when it comes to that. You know, they love Freddie Anderson. There's no doubt about that. Okay. If they didn't, he would have been gone a long time ago. 
you know how it is with teams and goaltenders. The minute the goaltender gets on the wrong side of his defense or his forwards, his game seems to tank because everybody else is a lot. You know, they part like the Red Sea when team, guys are coming in on the goaltender. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there's ways for that message to come across, and that hasn't been the case with Freddie Anderson. The thing, though, about Freddie Anderson that I haven't liked, and this has nothing to do with him. It has more to do with how he's been used by the Leafs. And whether you're looking back towards Mike Babcock or you're looking at Sheldon Keefe right now, they tend to be a little bit harder on their goaltenders than, you know, other teams are. And so you're going to look at a guy like Freddie Anderson. The guy's going to play six or seven straight games. And the older your goalie gets, and we see this here in Montreal, you know, Carey Price plays a couple of games. You know he's going to need a little bit of rest. Because the part of the game that people seem to forget is when you play as a butterfly goaltender and you're playing percentages, that up, down, up, down from the time you're 16 to the time you're 35, it takes a toll on your body. Yeah, And, you know, there's those aches and pains that people ignore when you're looking at it from the outside. But when you've lived it, you know that these goalies, you know, they go in there, they're in therapy afterwards, they're sore, they're this, that. You need to give them a break. And a lot of teams don't do that. And so in Freddie Anderson's case, that's exactly what happens. He breaks down, you know, and, and, and that's the biggest issue. A guy like Carey Price, when he played more of a hybrid style where he was standing up a little bit more than he does right now, he played perfectly fine and he could last six, seven, eight games and stretches. But now, you know, you, you've got goaltending coaches that tell you, okay, you know, you can't see the puck, go down. That's not the answer, man. The answer is make sure your defense clears the way so that you can properly view the puck and track it so you can stop it and decide whether or not you need to go down because the shot's low or you need to stay up because the shot's high. That's not happening. So those teams that don't do that end up with goaltenders that are broken down earlier than they should be. Case in point, Freddie Anderson. Great stuff there, Costa. And, and let's look at Campbell now. I think uh, Leafs have about 15 games left in this season. And mm-hmm. um, who's backing up uh, Campbell right now? I wish I knew. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to uh, ask you a question while I look it up here. Um, you know, the Leafs. You know, to me, I sit back and laugh. They can be as good as they want to be. I still think they're going to get knocked out in the first round. You know, it's just their mo. You know what I'm saying? But um, you, you know, you're talking you're talking about that, Paul. Hang on a sec. You're talking about that, and it's funny. I had a conversation with a very dear friend of mine from Toronto the other day, and he said it point blank. He says the Leafs have all the talent in the world. The one thing that they don't have that's going to get them to the next level is heart. And you know, we've we've even mentioned that. And you know, it's 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 true. They have all the talent to succeed. There's no question about it. Up and down their lineup, they've got what it takes. They've got the goaltending of Anderson and Campbell. They've got the defense with Muzzin and and, and Riley. They've got up front. I mean, God knows how much talent that team has because they're stacked. Why aren't you winning? Has nothing to do with the talent. Has nothing to do with the style of coaching. It has to do with what's between the ears of each individual player. And I think that's Toronto's problem. If they can get past that and work more like a unit, there's no stopping them. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, you know, you you get out of this. Look, they're going to have a hard enough time getting, you know, past you guys, the Oilers or the Jets. There's no doubt about it. I don't care. The the, the playoffs in every division this year are going to be just great to watch. There's no doubt about it. It's uh, uh, the, the teams that are supposed to be there are going to be there. you got some fun going on in some of the other divisions in terms of getting that last fourth, fifth spot. But I think you can look at the four teams in the North Division. This is going to be it. Now, whoever gets out of it, you know, um, that I think you make great points about heart because when you look at playing anybody from the Central or anybody playing uh, from the East, you know, or the West for that matter, it's it's going to be a different game. And that's going to be interesting too this year, Costa, too, because, 
you know, in a regular season, you get to see a little bit of all the other teams. You're not going to see that until we get to the playoffs, and uh, that's going to be a, a, a trip to watch. There's no doubt about it. Costa, last thing before I let you go, and um, I know it's a somber note, but I definitely want to. I wanted to ask you about this. This is the third year here of the anniversary of the humble Broncos tragedy, um, and I know you're involved with uh, a lot of youth hockey up there in, in, in Canada and everything else, and it's been uh, noted here on social media and in the news and everything about I can't believe it's been three years. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe just your, your take on, on, on how it's affected, not even the, even that region there too, but maybe the entire country. Because, you know, everybody down here and the rest of the world, we all look to Canada. Canada's the hockey country. And, you know, it, it, it's such a huge thing. It's kind of like you're born on skates in Canada and you move. And just maybe just a little reflection on that team and that loss and, and what it's meant to, uh, you know, um, the, the, the country in addition to the, uh, the city of Humboldt. Well, I can tell you this much. I'm going to start off by saying, you know, like we talk about how I'm involved with D-Skate. Yes. There was a player on that, on that bus by the name of Caleb Dahlgren. Okay. He, he's been playing for York University. He happens to be a type 1 diabetic. And I had the pleasure of meeting him last year when we had our, uh, not last year, but the year before, when we had our first World Diabetes Day tournament. He was our, he was our spokesman and he was our honorary chairman. Um, I can tell you this from an outside perspective when you're looking at it. Uh, there's not a single organization in this country that didn't feel it. There hasn't been a kid that's put on a pair of skates and a helmet that hasn't ridden a bus or carpooled or on these back roads in Canada, you know, where you have these crossroads all the time, you know, intersections on small little roads, you know, rural roads that go two way and, you know, they're snow packed on either side, trees lining them, snow covered. And, you know, you know what I mean? When you see all those picturesque pictures, yeah, there's a beauty in it. There's also a danger in it. And so for every every kid that's ever played this game and every parent that's put their kid on a bus for him to go to a game, when that accident happened, the country stopped. It didn't matter what you did. It didn't matter what you were watching. It stopped. Mm-hmm. It, it was heartfelt. Everybody. I mean, I had tears in my eyes when I saw the story because, you know, being so involved in the game, you know it. Right. You know what these parents are going through. I had my daughters played hockey. You know what they're going through, you know, especially the ones that lost loved ones on that bus. Yeah. Caleb happened to be one of the lucky ones. And in talking to him, he said the toughest part was getting out of there and not knowing what happened. You know, Caleb and some of his other teammates ended up in hospital for a while. And it was just like, you know, they wouldn't tell him anything because they wanted him to recover. Yeah. It was only a couple of weeks later that they realized, oh, my God. We lost all these people, you know, 16 lives lost on that bus, man, 12 injured. It, it, it's not, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. And when it, it's kids, man, they're, they're, you know, 18 to 20 years old on those teams, mm-hmm. you know, and then you've got staff that have volunteered most of their lives in the game of hockey. We lost so much of the heart of the game on that one particular day. I don't think they'll ever forget it in this country. And there's a memorial that every rink has put up with a flag honoring the humble Broncos and the date they had, they, they had their accident in every arena in Canada. doesn't matter if it's a, a small little town or a big rink in Montreal, everywhere. And I think that's a sign of just how much this game means to this country and how much what happened resonated with everybody that lives here. Thanks so much for those words on that, Casa, man. You, you bring it to light here. I know, like I said, all of us involved with uh, sports just in general and, and, and kids' sports and everything. But, you know, I, I, I knew you were going to be able to just um, to, to get across that feeling of what, uh, what, it, 
what it's like up in Canada because, like I said, you know, you guys are so in, in, engrossed in the game. Um, and I really appreciate uh, you giving me a few thoughts on that, man. Thanks so, so much, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, it's great. Not a problem, on. brother. Great to honor that. Well, look, buddy, um, thanks as always for your time here, man. And, um, you know, next week we'll get back at it here. And uh, who knows? Maybe the Habs will surprise us with a move. Um, or maybe the uh, Leafs will add some grit, some toughness. Ha, ha, ha. Maybe. A little you bit know? of heart, buddy. Goes a long way. And then we'll find out. The other thing, too, is, you know, we don't even know if the Vancouver Canucks are coming back this season, brother. Whether you think it's COVID so? or hockey, I don't think they'll be coming back. Yeah, I don't think they're 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 gonna they're gonna be decimated for a while. I don't think it's gonna happen. That's just a crazy situation up there. All right, it well, is, man. look, you enjoy the rest of your day, listening along with the birds in the background, and enjoy your weekend. And thanks so much as always for uh, for giving me a hit here on THS, brother. You got it, man. We'll talk next week. All right, Costa Papulias, ladies and gentlemen, always giving us a great take on not only the Montreal Canadiens but the North, the Canadian Division. Always good stuff with Costa. And THS rolls out. Well, all right, it's that time to go and head out to the West Coast, the left coast, the best coast. Well, it all depends on where you are. Anyway, it's time to bring on our brother, Mr. Steve Palumbo from the great state of California. And let's talk some Western Division hockey and the New Jersey Devils. Oh, my goodness. Helping out my my enemy, the Icelanders here on Long Island. Steve-O, what's going on? Welcome back to THS. Oh, uh, Pauly, what a, what a crazy past couple days, crazy week it's been. Yep, helping out the Islanders. The uh, the Devils and the Islanders made a big trade in it. You know, I'm, I got to admit, I'm, I'm still reeling from it. Not as much as maybe the rest of the division is going to be reeling from it in a couple of weeks here, man. <laughs> So, look, let's start there. Um, I mean, you know, you just talk about these guys. Talk about Lou. Um, you know, the connection here is obviously in terms of getting him out of there. And uh, I, I think say, one of the guys had a no-trade clause in there. So, I mean, I mean, yep. number one, talk about Lou, the connection, um, you know, your reaction, obviously, to the trade and what these guys are going to bring to the New York Icelanders. Well, yeah, obviously Lou was there and uh, part of the, you know, when they drafted Travis in 2004, uh, late first round pick. So he has, he knows him well. He knows uh, what Zajac can, can bring. Uh, if my recollect, my recollection's correct, Palmieri was the first move that Ray Shiro did um, after he took over. So I don't, I don't know if there's much a connection there other than, you know, because I think Lou was still kind of around at that point, but Shiro had taken over. So he, he is familiar with both of those players. But, you know, when Lou smells blood in the water, he's going to pounce. So he, <laughs> he obviously feels that this Islanders team is uh, is poised to make a deep run in the playoffs. And, you know, he's he he's not he doesn't make the big splashy move, but he brings in those character, those great guys with Anders Lee going down up for the Islanders. They needed to get some scoring on the wing. And that's what Paul Mary is going to bring. He's, he's had a bit of a down year in New Jersey, but obviously who hasn't had a down year for the devils. Um, but I think once he gets in there, he's going to get revitalized and he's going to immediately add some, uh, some firepower to them. And to be honest, the, the, the real win in this deal is being able to get Travis Zajac, such a versatile player, such a, such a hardworking player. He's defensively responsible. He can chip in. He gets in the dirty areas. He can play both wings. He plays center. He's good on face-offs. He's a playoff performer. We know, 
you know, when in 2012, he scored some big goals for them uh, for New Jersey when they made their run to the cup final. Uh, he's just such a heart and soul guy. He's everything that, you know, we talked about it when his thousand games were approaching, what he's meant to the organization and, and what he means to, to uh, as a devil playing for the devils. Um, I just think both those guys are going to fit in really, really, really well over there in Long Island. So, uh, you know, they got a couple good ones. Hope they take care of them and hopefully they, uh, they go out and get that cup. Oh, don't say that, Steve. Not on, <laughs> not on this radio show, please. Not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready for it. <laughs> uh, I knew you'd love that part. <laughs> you shouldn't be either as a devout devil fan. You can't be wishing good luck on these Islanders. Well, I mean, the, the, the key word there is fit. Barry Trotz, yeah. this system. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I've talked about this Islanders team, what Trotz has done with it. Really not so many marquee names, star guys on it. But I don't care what anybody says. Palmieri and Sajak are stars as far as their experience and making an impact on this team. And it's a Trotz yeah. system. And I don't care what anybody says. It makes everybody else in that division, the Caps, the Penguins, you know, and, you know, the Bruins definitely right now. You know, you now you're looking at playing the Islanders. I mean, I know we got a, we got 15 games to go here. A lot can happen. You hope everybody stays healthy here, and, and that's what you want. You want the best players at the end of this thing going for the going for the silver and everything else. But, um, man, you I guess my question to you is, is, number one, these guys playing on the trots, that kind of a coach, you know, um, because of their experience and because of the guys, how they're known throughout the league, you know, decent guys, uh, team players, all that other stuff, and they should blend in very well with the rest of the chemistry on this team too. I think that's a huge part of this trade. I think, you know, when I saw it last night come over the wire, I was like, man, because they're just they're two good guys, man. Yeah. I mean, they instantly just make the Islanders better. You just seen them in the practice jerseys today uh, for the Islanders, and I, I believe they're going to play tonight. Um, and yes. then the and the Rangers are going to get them this weekend. So. All this stuff going on. So, number one, uh, character guys, trot system, and mm-hmm. how this may now affect the Caps, the Pens, and the uh, Bruins, having maybe forcing their hand to make a move here before Monday or on Monday. Well, I think it, it definitely puts the rest of the division on notice. I mean, as far as the way Trot, Trotz is going to love these guys, they're going to fit into his system perfectly. They're responsible. They're hardworking. These guys, I mean, they know how to play. I mean, because just because they played for the Devils and the Devils haven't had much success doesn't mean that these guys don't know how to win or do what it takes to win hockey games. I mean, they, they've got all, the, all the, the characteristics that you would want in, uh, you know, a seasoned NHL performer and postseason performer. I think they're going to love playing for him as much as he's going to love having them play uh, you know, for, in his system, he already has them on a line together. So there's that familiarity. And Palmieri's always done really well playing with Zajac. Um, I just think it, it just makes the Islanders that much harder to play against as if they weren't, you know, hard enough to play against. Um, it's, it's a heck of a deal. Um, the return that New Jersey got isn't overwhelming. They wanted to get a first rounder. They, they ended up, uh, the Islanders threw that first rounder in there. The, the prospects are, you know, they, they are what they are. They're, they're kind of AHL guys. But I think, you know, going forward, um, it definitely gives the it, it makes that Islanders window to win now 
that much bigger. You know what I mean? I, I just think these guys are perfect, exactly what, what the Islanders needed right now. And if I was the Capitals or the Bruins or the Penguins, you know, I, I would not want to draw these guys in the playoffs because they're going to be a very hard out. It's going to be tough to win four games against them. Well, you never know. The Rangers might light them up this weekend and just alter the whole path of everything. We'll see what happens, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard on uh, NHL Network someone referred to the Rangers as very much like 80s Oilers-like. And I thought that comparison, although obviously the winning is not there, but the way that those guys just score goals in bunches, maybe they, they maybe they could light the Islanders up. They're definitely a fun team to watch, but uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But, you know, they're... <laughs> I love your honesty, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I feel happy for you that you got some guys that can score goals. How about that? Yeah, no, that's, that's all good. Hey, look, you know, um, and we're going to transition over the West here too, but before we do that, um, you know, um, you, you know, the Rangers' success here, and, and this is going to – we're going to talk about the Wild and the Avalanche last night, and, and we're getting you know, back to the schedule, <laughs> what we had talked about yeah. a couple weeks ago, every other night. You know, you can't expect teams to just play sound defense every night. You're going to have these games right. where, you know, uh, you're going to give up six, seven, eight goals. It's just been a relative thing that's been happening here over the last two weeks in every division. So there's exhaustion setting in here. Um, yeah. You know, there's just different stuff going on. And we'll, we'll, we'll go over to the West Division talk about it in a little bit. But what last thing I want to do with the Devils here is now, obviously, Steve, the Devs are transitioning. They're they're yes. they're totally going into uh, a completely new, fresh outlook, new coach, new system. You know who knows? There may be one or two more guys that may still leave here by Monday. Um, talk about you as a fan now and covering these guys for years. Um, you know, seeing this happen now in front of your eyes, where um, you know, in terms of looking forward to next year and, and riding out the rest of the season here, uh, in terms of just continuing, cause now you can really just focus on watching this team develop. It doesn't matter necessarily what they did last week, as far as me and talking right. wins, losses and everything else, but they have officially kind of punched, you know, pulled the parachute and th this is how they're going now. And it's about the future. Well, you know, the departure of Zajac, he was the last connection to, you know, anybody playing with Berdur or being any of the you know, the old regime in, in New Jersey. So with him leaving and Palmieri leaving, he basically have now completely washed away any, you know, any connection to the history of this team. And they're, they're starting completely fresh. Tice Thompson got into the lineup the other day. He got, you know, got himself an assist. What we're going to see now is we're going to see that these young players that we've been hearing about, um, Get some time on the ice, you know, get some time to play with two two forward positions opened up. We're going to see more ice time for these guys like Thompson, you know, Alexander Holtz. Um, his team is still playing, but could we possibly see him come in? Who knows? You know, uh, Nolan Floyd, is he going to get some time? They um, Boquist, who they've been playing on the wing, who's a natural center in the AHL. He's going to now have a shot to play center. So you're just going to see these guys kind of slot in and we're going to get a taste of, of what the team is going to look like in uh, the next several years. And to be honest, I, it's, it's also addition, auditions for these guys because this is a clean slate. I mean, we're, they're trying to build a roster that's going to be competitive for years. And these guys, these young kids have an opportunity to earn themselves a spot on a team for a long time to come. And, and I just think it's going to be, you know, it feels like we've been rebuilding for 200 years, but I think right now we've actually hit a point where it's starting to get exciting. 
to see the, 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 the young blood come in and kind of get an idea of what this team's going to look like in the future. I could care less about wins or losses. Uh, the team, you know, I want the team to be competitive. They played really well against Washington and lost. I thought they did play pretty well against Buffalo and lost. They're getting all these scoring opportunities. They just can't score goals. But it's just, you know, you, you, you got to look past that now and just kind of like get used to seeing these new faces, get familiar with them. And I think as a fan, a longtime fan, that, that's, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, exciting to the point where I, I picture Steve Palumbo, Devil's Podcast on the horizon down the road, you know, coinciding yeah. with a, a, a brand new rebuild in New Jersey. Never say never. Yeah, I, I think that's a good idea, man. Look, it's uh, it's fun stuff. You know, I, I was talking on a couple of shows here the last couple of days as far as New York hockey here, and I know me and you have said this too, and I, I think this further kind of – um. It's almost like you, you want to see this. I mean, who knows where Zajac and Palmieri will end up after the season with regards to the Islanders. Um, but as far as the youth movement here in the tri-state area, it's exciting. And I do look at this as like, hey, good for the Devils. Good for let's let's get the ship in the right direction and just look ahead at the at, at going forward because there's a lot of great talent on there. Uh, they got the star in use. If PK sticks around here for a couple more seasons. Um, you know, Blackwell, Blackwood and Net is too is, is is just a great place to start. So, uh, yes. good on the Devils, good stuff. You know, and clearing house here, and 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 I think that also gets the fans, you know, a, a peace of mind too. All right, this is what the organization's doing. Hopefully, next year we get back in normal times, fans back in the building, and everybody yeah. can kind of come together and watch this team grow. So, uh, look out for the Steve Palumbo Devils podcast coming soon, uh, on a platform near you. All right. Start working on it, Steve. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, buddy. So, look, let's go over to the West here. Um, we've we've just been saying, you know, week to week, me and you just know that every week this is just going to be way too much fun to keep uh, an eye. You look at last yeah. night, the uh, Wild put an eight spot up on the Avs. I mean, are you kidding me? Really? Um, we, we're, we're wild, talking about, wild West. Yeah. We're talking about the Blues hanging on, and they go out and they beat yep. Vegas 3-1 last night. Uh, the Kings uh, and the Yotes, you know. Uh, you know, we talked about the Kings there and, and the Sharks uh, being pains in the asses for the Yotes to hang on to that spot. And it looks like that's what's going to happen here. And the other great part here about the West that I want to get your take on, too, is is obviously fans are getting back in the building out there out in California. So let's talk about uh, last night a little bit, this past yes. week. And um, I know you're a ticket holder yourself, so I don't know if you've been back in yet or, or when that's being scheduled. But, uh, look, it's been great back here in New York. I haven't gotten to a game yet, but I'm looking forward to getting to one before the end of the season. But just the fact that, hey, you can go to a game now in Cali just like we can here in New York, it's got to be exciting out there. Yeah, it is exciting. You know, they we haven't they have April sixteenth is the first day that you'll be able to go back into the building. Okay. And uh, the Ducks have five home games left, and I was able to secure tickets to three of those games, um, which I'm pretty excited about. They were going pretty quick. Um, I'm really looking forward. I get to see uh, Vegas, and I get to see them play the Kings, and, and hopefully those those games mean something for the Kings awesome. at the end there. But uh, yeah, super excited. Uh, it's about time. You know, watching all these games on TV and seeing all the fans in the stands and, and still not having that here in California. So finally, we're going to get a, a taste of it. And I'm just really looking forward to that. Um, it's been a long time coming. I mean, I my last game was, gosh, it was just a couple days. I think they, they played Ottawa and then they played the makeup game um, when uh, the, for the St. Louis game when the when. Um, oh, man, that guy who collapsed. That yes, guy he collapsed on the skates. On the yes, collapsed. Yes. Um, I know who you're talking about. Uh, he's got a. We were, we, see, we should know this name because it's yes, a great hockey should. name. 
B, something with a B. But, uh, defense. Balmeister. J. Balmeister. Thank you. Woohoo! We yeah. did it, Steve. We worked together. We got there. <laughs> and then right after that is when the pause start, you know, happened. So it's been over a year, and I just so I'm really looking forward to it. Now, as far as the division is going, I mean, the, the Ducks mean nothing. They're they're pretty much playing in the spoiler role right now. Um, they've got some games with Vegas. Uh, which were, already has their spot locked up. And then the Kings, which the last two games are against L.A., and they could mean something. The Kings are scuffling a little bit here. But, man, this division, I mean, we talked about this from the very beginning, how it was just going to be crazy right until the end. And it, it, it's it gone exactly that way. I mean, nobody could have seen the way that, that Colorado was playing. I think they had, what, a 15-game point streak where they mm-hmm. picked up a point, you know, uh, 15 games. And then they had to get just completely annihilated by – by Minnesota, a team that I, I can't remember the last time they scored six goals, let alone eight goals. But right. um, wow, just just crazy stuff. And now you've got uh, the Golden Knights are scuffling a little bit. Um, you've got St. Louis. They're starting to turn it around. Bennington comes out and says, we're back or we're coming. And so it's going to be an exciting finish for that four spot. You've got uh, Arizona's playing some really good hockey right now. They're seven and three in their last 10. They're trying to make a case for themselves to sneak into that the playoff spot right there. San Jose is six and four in their last 10. Um, you know, they lost an embarrassing one to the, to Anaheim the other night, but they're another team that that's playing really well. And it'll be interesting to see if these teams do anything at the deadline to try to, you know, secure, uh, you know, an opportunity for that to grab that four spot. It's man, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's what I want to ask you too, as far as trades go. I mean, I mean, you look at the Avalanche in Vegas, you don't really see them needing to maybe have to make any moves here. I mean, all the teams, too, are pretty sound in nets. Yeah. You know, St. Louis is that's—they shouldn't be, but they they look like they're going to be that sleeper team because, you know, the the Yotes are like, yeah, hey, happy season, we're in the fourth spot and everything (laughs) else. But the Blues are an experienced team, and if they get onto this groove here, and there's a ton of time left for them to do it. Three points back now is nothing for the St. Louis Blues. So a lot of pressure here on the Utes. Uh, yeah, to but, keep. but remember with St. Louis how tough their schedule is. I mean, I think the majority of their games are against Vegas and Colorado. That That is not, you know, a, not a cakewalk. I mean, they have a couple games with Arizona, but their schedule is still going to be tough. And Colorado and, and Vegas are still going to be fighting for that top spot in the division. No doubt about that. So it's not like St. Louis is like, oh, here we come. We're, we're, we're right back in this. They have a really – I mean – they have the toughest schedule down the stretch out of any of the teams left in the division. So um, it's all good when they're winning a couple games. But, you know, when you get and you're playing four games, three games against Colorado, I don't know, man. It, it's it's going to be a tough a tough go for them. So they'd be a team that I think would, would maybe make a move or two. I You know, I, I just think they defensively they're not as strong as they once were. And that might be something they might be looking to bolster. And, you know, they could always use some more scoring. Mike Kaufman hasn't really panned out for them like they, like they thought. So... I just, you know, St. Louis, I just, it's still a question mark for me. Yeah, no, no, I hear you. But, you know, with that said, too, I mean, the Oats have Vegas again. They've got two more in a row here. And then Colorado, and then Minnesota, and then they're going to have a game with St. Louis before they play Minnesota again. And just that pocket of games there right now, knowing that Vegas and Colorado and Minnesota, they all want that top spot. So they're going to be looking to plow through the mm-hmm. Oats, just as much as anybody else here. And then, uh, it, look, it's great, man. Look, me and you are going to sit back here in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, uh, we're going to look at that uh, after that game uh, next Saturday night. Not this weekend, but the following weekend when they're they're at home against the Blues. And, you know, with four games between then and now, 
uh, we'll, it'll be just interesting to see what happens. And obviously, yeah, you're right. St. Louis is going to be doing the same thing. Look, it's it's great for us, you know. Um, but, you know, a, a week or two yeah. ago, <laughs> I don't know if we really about. had much faith in St. Louis. I'm saying right now there's a little oxygen left in the tank. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously their their pedigree, it, it speaks for themselves. They're, they're a team that's going to fight to the very end. And if they do get in, they're going to be a dangerous team. But I'm just saying, like, it's not it's not as if it's they're going to just, you know, leave all the other teams in the dust. It is going to be a dogfight until the very end. And if they do manage to squeak in and they do manage to play tough against Colorado and Vegas, then that will give them confidence going into the playoffs when they face these teams. And then it's a whole new ball game once we get into the playoffs. But it is going to be a, a tough, a tough stretch run. But, man, just this divisional lineup has just made this. I mean. I'm okay with it just being this year. I don't want to see it, you know, going forward. But it has really made this 56 game season super exciting. I mean, I can't stress that enough. How how interesting and intriguing these storylines have been, and how compelling the finishes are going to be in this season. It's been so much fun as a hockey fan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're always the winners here, as far as this is concerned, especially this season, and uh, and setting up hopefully for like I said, some normal stuff uh, going forward. So, Steve, the last thing here I want to ask you is. Um, the, the 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 those three teams there at the bottom here now obviously the sharks and the kings now are in a tricky situation because yes. they they can obviously continue to play here and try and get that fourth spot and, and as a team mm-hmm. as an organization that's what you got to do you got to go and win but you got three days left here before the end of the trade deadline you might want to think about the future as well too and a couple of guys in your rosters you know wherever they are with the cap and um you know uh, contracts and everything else and then so the sharks and and the kings so my first question is. Where do you, what do you see the Kings of the Sharks doing here uh, at the trade deadline? And now the Ducks, they they obviously can be sellers now. And, and if they are, who who would they who who do you think that the Ducks might look to ship out and maybe help somebody else somewhere else? Well, okay, if you're looking at these three teams, you know uh, Rob Blake has got a very specific goal the way he's constructing the the LA Kings. I don't see them doing a whole much, a, a whole lot. We talk about the move they made with the with the Rangers. Um, I, I know they have some some cap space, but I don't think they're in a position to be a buyer. And I I'm not sure they're really will, willing to sell any of their their bets either, unless they get blown away with an amazing deal. San Jose is an interesting team. They're one that has been linked to you know they were linked to Carl Palmieri. They were they were Taylor Hall. You see you hear them coming up, but I think that's just because of San Jose's track record. They really have no cap space. Uh, they really have to like. Um, you know, move mountains to, to kind of make anything happen, which I mean, they, they could do. Um, and they may make a, a, a small move here or there. I just don't see them having the ability to, to really make any moves. Uh, Anaheim is going to be interesting because, you know, they've been linked, you know, you hear a lot of different players coming up, uh, in the trade rumors, Ryan Getzlaff, we've talked about for Josh Manson is another one who, who the, the ducks would, um, you know, be willing to part with and, and could be a really useful piece to a playoff team. Um, a really steady defenseman. He's a tough guy, um, plays really well in his own end and, and someone that, you know, could really you know, bolster a blue line for a, a playoff run. So I think the ducks are, are similar to the devils where they've got a lot of tough decisions to make. And I think they're at the, the crossroads right now where um, it's time to, to really think about just making that full shift into the youth movement. And uh, you know, there is talk of Ryan Getzloff, you know, maybe calling it a career pretty soon here. So he may want to take one last uh, crack at a, you know, a Stanley Cup run. So 
Uh, I, I would look to them to be a team that, that'll be active at the trade deadline or at least, you know, fielding a lot of phone calls from other teams looking to to bolster. But, you know, with with COVID and with the flat cap and uh, it's it's I think there's going to be a lot more talking than there's actually going to be moves made. That's just kind of my gut feeling. Oh, Steve, that's so boring. Tell me Gatslap's going to Toronto. <laughs> that's what I want to hear, man. To play Ooh, with wouldn't Jumbo. that be exciting? To play with Jumbo. <laughs> Get Would those. that make Toronto the oldest team in the league? <laughs> All the old guys they have. <laughs> no, nah, they'd have to since you know Charles will have to go up there too. I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to sit back and wait. Either way, you know, like I said, the uh, the next couple of weeks here are going to be a lot of fun running down. We've obviously got a couple of days here to see if any other teams make some moves. Um, you know, like I said, your team there, the Devils making the biggest one, and we'll see how the rest of the teams in the league either, uh, you know, follow after, uh, Uncle Lou Lamb, man, he's just, uh, he's super, and I tell you, the Islanders are going for it, man, there's no doubt about it, Steve, I mean, it's, uh, that's kind of scary for us Rangers and Devils fans here, I mean, it's been a mighty long time since 1983, but, um, you got and 94. Yes, yeah, oh yes, absolutely, 94. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, pal. I really, really, really appreciate that. But it's the truth, man. But uh, hopefully they'll change that here in a little bit. But those two guys, man, you know one very well, Lou Lamorello and the other guy, Barry Trotz, they don't like to lose. So they're on a mission. It's going to hey, be interesting. The Devils are not done. That, that wasn't the last trade the Devils are going to make. So be be keeping your your – your eyes and ears peeled because there are some more players. They're going to play Aaron Dell tonight as a showcase. They're, they want to trade him. There's there's other guys that are going to be moved. So the next few days should be very, very busy in New Jersey. There you go, guys. See, you, you don't understand how invaluable it is that you, we've got Steve Palumbo here as an insider on what, what's <laughs> going to happen here with the Devils, man. It's great stuff. And that's why I got him here on THS. Steve-O, you're the best, man. As always, love talking to you every week. Have a super weekend. Best of the family. And we'll do this again next week. And then we'll talk about the rest of the devils that were traded away. Absolutely. It should be a blast. It certainly will. All right, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, take, buddy. Take care, man. Steve Palermo, right, ladies and gentlemen. Wrapping things up here for us, as he always does, on that hockey show. So there it is, folks. It's a wrap. Week 12 is in the books couple of days here before the trade deadline and everybody hang on tight and we'll see what happens and uh got some good stuff happening already playoff pushes in the mood 10 games on tonight enjoy them lots of great stuff happening in this league we wish the best to the vancouver canucks their franchise and their players and hopefully those guys get back on the ice soon so on behalf of myself mr paul cuthbert joe yarden tab bamford costa Papulias, and mr steve palumbo Keep your head up. Enjoy the games. We'll be back here next week. Teach us out. Goodbye, folks.